Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Friday night edition, Friday evening edition of the C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, and welcome, welcome, welcome to everyone. We are coming to you live on this rainy Texas, July 8th, 2021. And that's right, we are, uh, we are experiencing the rains over here, over down south, uh, I would suspect as uh, having to do something with the uh, current um, weather conditions down around Florida and uh, apparently going up towards the nor'east now. But nevertheless, we're still here and kicking along. Glad to have everyone aboard with us who's joining us tonight, and I welcome you again. Uh, we are live currently on Twitch, uh, Foxhole app, and also Trovo. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, let me just tell you guys, hey, uh, Justy, how you doing over there? I see you coming in on at uh, the Foxhole app. Uh, we have a pretty interesting show for you guys tonight. A pretty interesting show indeed, I would like to say. Now, it took a minute to get uh, most of this material together. So uh, as soon as we get into it, ladies and gentlemen, trust me, we are going to get into it. Uh, but uh, yes, we had a Oh boy, it took about two days to get a lot of information together for today's report. And indeed, I did not even get all of the information that was available together in time for you guys. But I think we'll still have a pretty good amount of, uh, you know, um, a, a detail to share with you guys in regards to uh, Hunter Biden. And, uh, you know, perhaps we'll be seeing him in a different kind of light today at the close of today's show. <clears throat> and of course, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the information I'll be sharing with you all, uh, details mostly within some of the uh, email communications uh, that have been leaked and or seen uh, from his uh, laptop from hell, as it has so uh, lovingly been deemed. But Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into that in just a little bit. Uh, but first, as we do always at the Sea Report, we're going to do a bit of a chat recap from yesterday. Now, yesterday, yesterday we did an episode a little bit differently from the types of episodes we normally do here at the Sea Report. You know, if I'm going to be doing uh, any type of prolonged viewing uh, other than actually uh, setting up a report for you all, um, you know, I usually like to set up at, set it up as a watch party or something separate. But yesterday, um, I thought it was pretty uh, pretty detrimental to share the information with you. And indeed, I'm glad I did because uh, come to find out, uh, many uh, many viewers either had not seen it or it was a desired refresher. Um, on information that they may have known already, or, um, you know, I think I even had one viewer who knew who Myron Fagan was. Uh, now, Myron Fagan, F-A-G-A-N, uh, was a gentleman who um, uh, put, put together the discourse that I showed to you guys today from 1967. And he had a lot of information in regards to the Council on Foreign Relations, the globalists, communists, 
and uh, America. And uh, I think at the end of all of that, most of our viewers uh, were just kind of uh, taken aback at how a lot of it applied to today um, and indeed how it was uh, uh, a different decade, a different generation, but the exact same game plan. But uh, another thing that I enjoyed and actually uh, found most helpful was all of the uh, names that were given, uh, organizations, tactics, all that kind of thing. So it was a very, very good show indeed. And uh, if you guys did not catch it, make sure you get a hold of the replay. Uh, give it a listen, or if not, look up Myron Fagan on the internet. Now, you might still be able to find I dropped a link in there yesterday for anyone that wanted to share that with anyone. Again, this is from 1967, and this man had a lot of information, um, and uh, a lot of it still resonated as being true to this day. All right, let's see what's going on. We got Weaponized Truth in the chat room. We have Love Warns. How y'all doing? Paled by the Rabbit. Howdy, howdy. Good to see you guys with us jumping in so early. We have a pretty good show for you guys today. It's going to be one of those dissecting shows again. <laughs> and uh, yes, indeed. Uh, Love Warn says, heard him some at the end. Was he a John Bircher? Because they've been sounding the alarm years ago and people blew them off. Um, I don't know that Myron Fagan was a John, a member of the John Birch Society, um, though I have heard about that. And yes, uh, they have been active for a very long time. Uh, the John Birch Society goes back uh, decades now. Um, I don't know what they're up to these days. I have not like actually looked into the John Birch Society as of recently. But for a fact, uh, this man, you know, uh, the thing about that also is he still had uh, pieces of nuggets that I have to dig into, like the MLK thing that he was talking about. And uh, indeed, I've heard about some funny stuff with uh, MLK, but still very curious, ladies and gentlemen. Weaponized True says, yes, the stuff people were talking about 20 years ago is happening right now. Yes, indeed, Weaponized Truth 20 years ago and then some. So, uh, you know, uh, like uh, yesterday's uh, discourse with Myron Fagan regarding the Illuminati, because we don't call them the Illuminati anymore. I mean, obviously, that is uh, that 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 terminology has been uh, overspent in uh, this day and age. So we don't call them that anymore. It's it, that is jaded by the true definition of jaded. Um, but de definitely the globalists, you know, I think is more fitting of the bill. Um, and also kind of takes away that air of uh, conspiracy theorism away from it uh, when we say globalist versus Illuminati. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, they change their names as necessary and how they see fit in order to get where they need to get and to go unnoticed and unregarded by the masses. And that's what they do. All right. In yesterday's chat recap, we had Dpatriot1776, Joy for Trump, also in the House, Babs the Ice Queen, joined us for a little bit. Um, and also Texas Gal. Texas Gal's been seeing some rainy days in her neck of the woods as well. Yep, we've been a rain in here. It was pretty steady today. Not hard, but pretty steady either way. Hey, always in Texas. How you doing, sweetie? Seeing you there in the chat. And uh, let's keep on going, ladies and gentlemen. All right, all right, all right. I'm just going down the chat here now. Looking up was also in the audience, Aurelius Locke joining us for the evening. Uh-huh. Uh, Sonia JHC with much love to Sonia, of course. 
Service Dog Mom as well in the house. It was great to have Service Dog Mom with us. Always great to have repeat C offenders. We had a new name in the house I had not seen before, Beck W727. Glad to have you with us, and uh, thanks for joining us or coming out of the shadows. We love it. Uh, love them and lurk them. We love you always, either way. <laughs> Absolutely, because you know, even when you're, even when you're uh, being a wallflower, yeah, I guess you could. Could you? Could we call a lurker a wallflower? Maybe I think so, right? Um, the energy is still there, and we still appreciate you sharing this time and the space with us. Most definitely, uh, it, was, it was all love yesterday. <laughs> at the beginning of the show and then we also had a crash so i think yesterday's program ran about three hours and 23 minutes if not mistaken so there's about 30 minutes of that at the beginning of the show that's cut off um so i'll see if i can't get a hold of the boss and uh, let him know about it in fact guys i need to you guys need to hold me to task okay because I'm going to contact the boss, which would be methods, right? And uh, I'm going to uh, let him know <laughs> that I need to get in the bunker. And uh, it'll help if you guys just, you know, you know, message the boss and let him know, hey, get Mr. C in the bunker. <laughs> just in case. I don't know. I might be in line. I might be in line to get in the bunker. I don't know yet. Uh, but if there is a line, maybe with your help, you can skip me to the front of the line. And then that way, if there's a DDoS or, you know, bad weather or something like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't believe I'm asking you guys to cheat for me. Oh, I'm so bad. Not uh, Bad, Mr. C. <laughs> Anyways, Service Dog Mom said, you guys are good friends. Lost my husband two years ago. My best friend and friends that said they were there for me abandoned me because I don't think woke. Well, Service Dog Mom, we're so happy to have you with us. We're so happy that you can share your experience and this, and we're grateful also to have you along with us. So thank you for that. Um, but also welcome, welcome, welcome. You're always welcome with open arms. Uh, I think uh, the community here in is, is one of the most um, um, inclusive, I would have to say inclusive, especially those of you guys who hang out in the C chats. Um, you guys are, are some of the most inclusive and loving individuals I've met on the internet. Um, and I would love to meet you all in person someday. I think that would be a, a marvelous thing, a remarkable thing even. Uh, but for uh, someone like Service Dog Mom, you know, like I could say to you, I haven't been through as much uh, as, as you have experienced Service Dog Mom, but absolutely. Um, I think on some level, all of us can feel that and can relate to that uh, because, um, you know, guys, I mean, sometimes you are the people that I see on a daily, you know, and uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't leave the home front much myself and I don't communicate with many people outside. So uh, it's always great to have you guys. And, you know, maybe I need to do a, um, maybe I need to do a, hel well, hello, Mr. C show where we can kind of just chat with each other and, uh, you know, just talk about our lives or something like that. Like, it'd be great to get to know a lot of you guys more on a personal level. And especially with the close-knit family that we're, we're forming here in the C chats, um, uh, you guys are something special. And I appreciate it when you guys share uh, pieces of your life with us um, and that you feel you feel comfortable enough to do that. So, 
Uh, Dpatriot1776 says, yikes, refreshed to nothing. Tried bunker, but he's not set up for it. Okay, guys, I promise. I promise before the night is through, I will text methods. Well, um, email. I don't have his text. Uh, but um, uh, as he is, as he is uh, the guardian of the front of house for the Foxhole app, uh, I'll just let him know, hey, um, how do you get into the bunker? Um, um, inquiring, inquiring minds want to know. And if any of you guys want to message him and be like, hey, get Mr. C into the bunker, I will not blame you for it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my goodness. Okay. Let me make sure he's not in the audience now because he's going to be like, Mr. C, what the hell? <laughs> okay. Hey, Raja D, welcome back. I see you there, Tam Growl. It's good to have you in the house. I'm just, I'm just giggling over here right now. So don't mind me. <laughs> don't mind me at all. Oh, it's so good to have you back, Lovorns. I haven't, I mean, it's so good to see you in the chats again. Of course, you know, I see you on Discord and stuff like that, but it's good to have you back. Uh, let's see here. We had Pilled by the Rabbit in the house yesterday as well. Pilled by the Rabbit says, Electromagnetic dysfunction in the rabbit hole and in the bunker. Ooh, was it happening in the bunker also, Pilled by the Rabbit? That's some, um, that's some, um, that's some stuff right there. If that was going on there in that bunker there. Um, let's see. Uh, service dog mom said, thank you, Mr. C. Where are you? Uh, I don't know. Were you asking where I was because I vanished? Cause the first 30, the first 30 to 40 minutes of yesterday's broadcast cut off, uh, on the replay. So if that is the case, and it seems like it might've been cause looking up said, are you going to get set up in the bunker in case of a DDoS attack or other crap? Um, uh, well, you know, well, you know, um, but otherwise I'm in Texas uh, service dog mom. I'm not sure. I apologize if I'm uh, answering that question too broadly. Uh, just V was in the house. Just V. Just V. Don't you ever apologize. Don't you ever apologize. Just V. <laughs> Blonde Blue Lady Q. Does anyone have Mr. C? I have a blank screen. You know, that's so funny, Blonde Blue Lady Q, because um, we had another viewer in the chat rooms later on in the evening by the name of Dagon. I think it was Dagon, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Dagon was getting a blank screen also. So um, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll get in touch with the boss and see what he says. Ah Joy for Trump says Mr. C dished Foxhole. <laughs> oh, no, Joy for Trump. No, not not, not, not at all. Sean Anon was in the house. How's it going, Sean Anon? He said, click on the 720 right next to the bunker at Blonde Blue Lady Q. Oh, I think it's because they were going down to three. You know, okay, so they that's pretty neat. We can pick the uh, the uh, decibel, or was it decibel? I don't know. But, um, what is the name of that? What is it, what is it called, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, the definition. <laughs> we can choose the resolution um, of our videos here at the Foxhole app now. So yeah, quite often they'll say if um, if it's it's giving you problems at 720 DPI, click on the 360 DPI, and then that lowered resolution might be easier on the computers, just as, you know, just as kind of one of those troubleshoots. So if you're ever having a buffer wheel or a black screen, try changing the resolution first. That's just a troubleshoot method. And then uh, if it doesn't work then, then at least at least we know it's not your computer or your Wi-Fi. It could be something else. So it's a very good troubleshoot method indeed. Very good. Very, very good. All right. Let's see what else we had in here. Hubba Hubba, says Sean Anon. 
Sean and Don, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna check out your show. I'm gonna have to check you out, boy, and see what you got going on over there at your channel. Yeah, quality. Thank you, Just V. I see you there. I see you there. <laughs> oh, Just V says she couldn't get the replay to play. Um, Just V. Okay, so I did check it out today. The replay would play, but it did chop off like the first 30 or 40 minutes. So all of the chat recap is gone. And admittedly, it was probably 40 plus minutes on the chat recap yesterday. Um, so uh, we we get we it cuts right into uh, when we're doing our Trump statements. Um, but, but, well, but it should be there. Like it was playing on my end today. Uh, but, uh, you know, guys, I can tell you right now, the C report at protonmail.com, the C report at protonmail.com. If you guys ever have any problems with replays or, uh, uploading or anything like that, on this channel here at the Foxhole app or even beyond, uh, email me and let me know. And and that way I can get in touch with uh, the Pilled Bosses, uh, the Mats and Mr. Methods. And, uh, you know, we can see if we can't get that resolved. Um, for the most part, I am on top of it. Now, it might take me like, you know, a few days to a week to get all of that squared away. Uh, but I, I always do try and stay in touch with the technical aspect of what's going on here at the show, especially on the Foxhole app. Now, uh, and that's ex that's especially because um, the Foxhole app is one of the no, it's not even one of. It is the only, only application. It's the only website. It's the only server. It's the only platform that actually retains all of your content. It seems like indefinitely. Like I can, you know, I can go back to the very first show on the Mr. C channel here at the Foxhole app and you can still see it. You can still access it. Um, whereas, you know, uh, platforms like Twitch and Trovo uh, eliminate your content within 15 days. And if you're on DLive, it's within it's within three days that it takes off your content. That's why I really don't I don't mess with DLive. Like I know there are a lot of friends over there at DLive, but um, just the fact that, you know, within three days, your stuff is gone. Like if someone were to accidentally stumble onto your uh, channel on DLive, and then they wanted to check you out. They'd only have three days worth of content. And you're lucky if you stream more than one day consecutively for them to actually get a taste of what you provide. So I don't waste my time with that. Um, it's, as it's as bad as censorship on YouTube, if you ask me. So right now, the Foxhole app is the winner on that. Because at least you know that the work you put into the content you cre create will re be preserved and archived for future generations of patriots to view. So I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with that. And uh, you know I, I think I should pass a note along to the guys and let them know about that because it's it's I mean that's to me that's one of its selling points. If you're a content creator uh, and you're you're a patriot and uh, you know you're there for the people then uh, uh, you're missing out an opportunity because YouTube's going to censor you, obviously. Now, Rumble would be another one. I have not experimented with uh, doing live streams on Rumble, but who knows? Maybe I'll do that soon, as soon as I upload all of my episodes. Okay, maybe we'll do that. As soon as I upload all of my episodes to, um, uh, to Rumble, then I'll start doing live streaming from there on Rumble. I think that's something that's worth looking into. 
I think that would be fun. I, I've never tried it. I don't know. I know I've heard some critiques from individuals that said Rumble upload is uh, live stream is not, you know, so hot. But, you know, you got to give things a try, right? And see how it goes. You never know how it could go. Um, so that could be that could be one thing uh, to consider moving into the future. And then, of course, um, there's always Rockfin as well. Now, I haven't explored too much into Rockfin, but loyal uh, to the foil, um, she gave me a heads up on Rockfin. So I don't know. Maybe we'll find myself on Rockfin as well. You know, I'm pretty content where I am. Um, for me, it's I, I don't know. I feel like my mission is kind of different from other people. Um, I, I kind of feel like I look at uh, a different aspect of the work that I'm doing. And uh, it's meaningful where I am at this point in time. I'm not in a big rush, you know, to to get on every platform and to, to I mean, because, you know, I don't know. My mission is different. Um, that's all I can say. My mission is different. Uh, my mission is not about acquiring thousands of followers and thousands of likes and thousands of views and going viral. That's not my mission. That's not what I'm here for. Um, so I, I mean, I mean, you know, if I get onto other platforms and it goes well, so be it. Uh, but at the moment I'm pretty content where I'm at and, uh, I value, um, substantial, you know, I value substantial, uh, types of engagements rather than, uh, superfluous, frivolous and possibly, I don't know, superficial engagements like, you know, like Twitch, like Twitch is nothing but um, a bunch of a bunch of uh, um, trolls and stuff, uh, unless, you know, they are light keepers like, you know, like uh, Katie Mann or Doreen Merck or or the likes, you know, like uh, um, or, or, or Deplora Laura you know, over there at Twitch, like the, and you know, and the funny thing, the fun thing about that is that from Twitch, they also jump over to Foxhole, you know, so that's cool too. Um, but, uh, uh, I have a different mission here. I have a different mission here. And uh, my mission is not to get likes. My mission is to share information with those that need to hear it. And those that have the ears to hear it, because after all, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And there are a lot of people out there who are just about getting likes and getting followers and and getting all that crap. Uh, but if I were really in it, if I were in it for the money, <laughs> if I were in it for the fame, I would have gone a different route. Because trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I could have gone a different route a long time ago and I chose not to. So uh, that's why I'm super happy to have been accepted on an app with so many people engaged on these topics and uh, willing to hang out with me and uh, make a brand new family here at the C chat. So uh, God bless you all. And thank you from my heart to yours always, ladies and gentlemen, from my heart to yours. Okay. Let me get off that soapbox. I apologize. It is a Friday afternoon I and mean, it's rainy. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not trying to get too mushy mushy. But it's been raining here since Monday, so I might be a little bit mushy tonight, okay? <laughs> Anyways, okay. Let's go ahead and see what else we had here. Ladies and gentlemen, I will set up the bunker. Okay, I can't even imagine what you guys are saying right now. Let me see. <laughs> what is going on? Okay, not a whole lot. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. Okay, guys. You just uh, have to ask for the bunker stream key and then pay restream. It will cost you like 40. Weaponized truth. I don't use restream. I use um, stream yard. If all I need is the bunker stream key, then we're good to go, ladies and gentlemen, because I already pay for stream yard. So good to know. Good to know. Thank you, weaponized truth. I appreciate that. I appreciate that insight. So it'll be much easier for me to, I'm all, look at me. It'll be much easier for me to write two methods and find out how to get stream key. <laughs> yes. Thank you, weaponized truth. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. Okay, let's go on. Let's see what else we have in our chat. Let's see what else we have in our chat. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, you guys, you guys, you guys tickle me on a daily. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Bunker, bunker, bunker. We have a lot of talk about the bunker. <laughs> Sorry, I'm seeing that replay. <laughs> I'm seeing that replay. Okay. <laughs> Where I'm all, yes. Okay. Anyways. Okay. <clears throat> Palmer 1951 was also in the house. Absolutely. Uh, Skeeter Burke was in the house as well. How's it going, Skeeter Burke? And uh, let's see. Aurelius Locke. The media could not be loaded either because the server or network failed or because the format is not support. Oh, okay. It's that it's where that X comes up and it's like media not supported. Defiled, defiled. Yeah. It happens. It happens. But we got back on track, ladies and gentlemen. We most definitely got back on track before the end of the night. I will get the bunker. Okay. I promise. <laughs> Not at all looking up. I would rather have a small, close-knit family of truthers than, you know, a thousand people at my back waiting to judge me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm bouncing back and forth right now. Um, okay. All right. Let's see here. What else we got? Let's get through this chat recap so we can get in today's skinny. Today's going to be a show, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you it's going to be one of those shows. It's going to be one of those shows. It is definitely going to be one of those shows. It's going to be one of those uh, challenging shows. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't get DPI, blah, 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 blah. What do we got here? What do I hear? Blonde, blue, lady, cute. Okay. Sorry. There was a lot of, there was a lot of tech talk and yesterday, tech talk, tech talk, tech talk on yesterday's uh, chat recap until we got into it. Okay, weaponized. Oh, hey, weaponized truth. I didn't realize you were in the house yesterday as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's see who else we got going on. Her. <laughs> the speak uneasy coming on in. Notifications coming in for some people, but not for everybody. Yeah, it was a lot of tech talk. Ohio Kimmy was in the house. Okay. Uh, Ohio Kimmy gifting a cookie. Thank you so much. Always appreciate the gold pill donations to the C report, Madame, Moselle. I I learned a long time ago. If you're going to say Madame, you always say Moselle. Okay. <laughs> oh goodness, I am. Uh huh. Just V. Oh, I'm late. Got to go to a meeting. I'll be listening until 7 p.m. Yay! Hope your meeting went well yesterday, Just V. Hope your meeting went well. Hey, get off my cup. Sorry, I'm distracted. I'm distracted by my coffee. Sorry. Okay. All right. We're drinking coffee tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So if I'm a little bit like, that's why. 
because uh, I do espresso. Okay. Oh, so much of the same. Uh, so much of the uh, part. Patriot of five. This is absolutely word for word what is happening today. Crazy, just crazy. Okay. So at this point yesterday, we had gotten into our um, discourse by uh, Myron Fagan. Now, uh, Raja D was also in the house first time here. Okay. So um, Raja D, because I think I saw you in the house a bit a minute ago. Uh, we do a chat recap at the start of every C report. So if you're wondering what the heck I'm doing right now, that's what I'm doing. So. <laughs> Hey, the Texan. Howdy, sir. I hope you are doing well on these rainy Texas days. All right. So, yes, yeah, so that's what we're doing. OK, so now we're getting into this. Um, 1967 was Vietnam hot. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. Uh, people driving, listening. Texan was in the house yesterday as well. Uh, OK, I mean, yesterday, guys, it was just it was just one of those shows. We're having another one tonight, just so you all know. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see what else. Can someone tell me why I cannot see? Okay. Jacob was having some problems with video as well yesterday. Uh, Joy for Trump asks, are we all really all that gullible? I mean, there was so much information in that discourse that we had yesterday. Like it was just like, it, it could be mind boggling, mind blowing, and absolutely confounding if we'd never heard it before. But like I said, it just, it gen, gen, for me generally, it just really like, um, you know, filled in some of the gaps and allowed us to kind of like uh, put things together with our, you know, discernment and other other uh, critical reasoning the uh, um, uh, abilities, right? Nani0831 was also in the house. Now, Nani80831, uh, first time I had seen Nani in the C chats, but Nani was actually quite a great participant yesterday in the chat. Uh, said, hello, at Mr. C. Thanks for having me. Making smoothies and listening to this powerful information. So grateful for finding shows like you. So absolutely, always love it when we have um, a newcomer in the house uh, to share uh, their knowledge and also glean from others' knowledge in the chats and beyond. Uh, looking up says, "I know what you mean, but they are not real Jews." Okay, so some interesting, some interesting comments coming. Let me see here. Uh, some interesting comments coming. So there's some things that right off the bat we could like uh, address and dispel because when we're talking about what Myron Fagan was talking about and, you know, uh, it can get tripped up pretty quick, you know, because when you start going back to like history from like the forties and fifties and thirties, you start talking about the Illuminati. You start talking about uh, the way the world was running back then. You, when you have a comment, like I hate to paint a broad brush, but all Jewish names in origin, we're talking about all the names that Myron Fagan was dropping in his discourse. And, you know, I mean, they're like, uh, you know, uh, Horkfestein and Epsteinstein and Wichtestein and Lalastein and, you know, all Jewish names in origin, you have to be careful because obviously not everyone from a single ethnicity or race or group would be evil. Like that's just ludicrous to believe. So, you know, at first I was kind of like, is this a test comment or is this like, you know, 
um, a comment that's made to look people in Foxhole look bad because um, are we going to cling to this comment? Or are, are we feeling to see if people will relate to that comment or agree with that comment? Like that kind of comment, I hate to paint a broad brush, but all Jewish names in origin reminds me of a comment that is like, uh, are you racist? And it's like, why would you ask that question? Like, we're all pretty much uh, familiar here and enlightened here to what the score is. Like, we don't agree with those types of uh, thought processes. Uh, just because, um, you know, uh, the heads of state or the heads of banks or the heads of finance or even the heads of Hollywood have Jewish names does not mean that by any means that we believe that um, a single group uh, singled out like the Jews would be the ones who are in charge of that. So at first I was kind of like, Nani, I don't know, Nani, are you testing us or are you trolling us? You know? So anyway, so, and I'm going to address more of that as we go, because that's just how I felt. And let's see here. Uh, KS2A was doing an awesome job of assisting uh, Dacob <laughs> with the technical issues. Anyways, anyways, Nani likes smoothies. Um, okay, so let's see here. What else do we got here? Mm. Looking up said, I know what you mean at Nani, but they are not they are not real Jews. They are Nazi infiltrators like the ones that destroyed Russia. And so looking up, I know right away you have a good grasp on your history. You know the story of what was going on. Uh, and, you know, uh, they they use the Jewish faith and people basically in order to uh, proliferate their schemes upon the world. You know, gold stars for looking up right there is what I say. Mr. C, yes, and it has his interviews. Oh, we were talking about Alan West there with Texas Gal. Yes, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, Alan West on Sunday's edition of the Lone Star News with myself and the Texan. We got some other stuff there. We're going to play that interview. And there was some other stuff I think I had found also. Uh, but we'll also be talking about the special session that's going on right now. So make sure you stay tuned if you're from Texas and you want to know there's a lot of stuff going on here in texas right now um from what i gather a lot of people are pushing for a forensic audit of texas so me and the texan we're gonna jump all over that right texan all right okay <laughs> okay let's see what else we got going on here uh kazarian was mentioned uh because yeah, kazarian right kazarian we'll talk about the kazarian someday if you guys want to i mean we'll talk about it Depatriot1776 donated a cookie. Thank you so much, Depatriot, for the cookie of gold pills. The donations are always, always, always appreciated here at the Sea Report. Let's see. Uh, what else do we got here? Because we're getting into it now. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? What is that word? What is that phrase from? Um, that phrase from what was it from was it from star wars jedis don't believe in absolutes we don't believe in absolutes you can't say everything is always that way always like that's absolutist no not at all not at all we don't do that here at the sea report we don't do it let's see aurelius Locke said kazarian ethnic orthodox all under the same name but all protected under the anti-semitism hate speech thing now that's the course of a different that's you know that's that's getting a little bit deeper with that comment from aurelius Locke because a we're talking about the jews but that's another level that's another i mean i don't know that's another level of the game you know like the people that perpetrated this 
And if you follow some of the known history of like the Khazarians, the Jewish people and, you know, all that, and not all the Jewish people, but those of that descent, obviously, like they, they took up that mantle uh, of being Jewish in order to, because they had to, right, according to history, they had to pick one of the three Abrahamic uh, religions in order to be accepted, even though they continued their child sacrificing and stuff like that. They figured out that uh, they could use anti-Semitism as a scapegoat to protect them. And that's a whole nother level when people start talking about things like the Holocaust being fake. Uh, you know, I, I believe it occurred. I definitely believe it occurred, but I think it was a false flag. And that's uh, that's a that's a horse of a different color from what history tells you. Um, why would why would the Jewish people proliferate that upon themselves? Because they fund they funded the Nazis who did it for them. So in a sense, it's a bit of a false flag. And I think that goes into what Aurelius Locke had commented: Khazarian, ethnic Orthodox, all under the same name, but all protected under the anti-Semitism hate speech. Um, so in in that way. Uh, it was a scapegoat so that you could not attack them. And if you did attack them, you were anti-Semitic. Um, and so that way they could get away with whatever shenanigans they wanted to do. Um, um, and we couldn't do anything about it because if we said anything, if we did anything, if we took them to task, if we called them to task, if we took them to the table, they would just say that we're anti-Semitic and shut people up, um, you know, quite, quite efficiently. Christine C. was also in the house. It's beneficial to understand their warped thinking and beliefs. I would agree. We had a uh, cookie donation from Christine C. Thank you for the cookie. My thoughts also. Oh, this is me. I was a lot in the chat last night, guys. Uh, Holocaust may have been a false flag to forgive that narrative and give them immunity by default. That's what that's. Those were my thoughts on that situation. Anyways, okay, let's see what else we got here before we get uh, into today's. Indeed, they use the label to shield their crimes. It's infuriating and gives good ethnic and Orthodox Jews a bad rep. Absolutely. <clears throat> and so, you know, I wonder whenever um, that question of fake Jews comes into question or, you know, um, um, when people say that the Holocaust wasn't, was not real, I often wonder if those people mean what we're talking about. We mean it was a false flag, like it really happened, but it was a false flag. And then people just misconstrue those words and then they paint them as like Holocaust deniers. Like, obviously, we've seen the videos like, hundreds and thousands of people in like you know uh like what mass graves from the holocaust like that that stuff was real um but when people say that the holocaust was not real i wonder if they were just not so eloquently stating that the holocaust was a false flag for those who are running it and who are funding the nazis to commit the crimes for them so that they can then use the death of Jews as a shield against them so that this way they can continue doing what they're doing and not be called out on it. And if they are called out on it, to just call the naysayers uh, anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish so this way they could get away with it. I mean, it's a brilliant plan. It's a definite false flag by any definition. It's just, uh, I mean, I don't think anyone has tied the funders you know, of the Nazis to the Nazis performing that against the same people who funded them so they could use that against them. In this case, the Nazis were their proxy executioners. They were their proxy, uh, you know, eugenicists in order for them to protect themselves in the future against any attacks against those who would call them to task and call them out on what they're doing. 
So anyways, that's just kind of the way I see it. All right. Because it definitely happened. We definitely had the extermination of Jews and gypsies and homosexuals and Jehovah's Witnesses during the Holocaust and in the times of the Nazis. That is a fact. Like there are museums all around that can tell you Jews, gypsies, homosexuals, uh, you know, um, those who are not uh, uh, adequate as a human being. And by that, I mean, with physical defects or mental uh, um, um, uh, issues as well as Jehovah's Witnesses, it's, it, is, it is definitely documented in our history to have occurred. So the Holocaust did happen, but symbolically what the Holocaust means was a false flag, at least in my eyes, so that this way they could get away with it in the future. But also at the same time, they could experiment on people with fluoride, they could experiment on people with uh, what they uh, they now deem as a violation of the Nuremberg Code, which indeed it was, uh, I've always said, and I've always, I've always said to people, and I've always held this belief that Nazi Germany of the 1930s was basically the testing grounds for what they wanted to do in the United States of America today. Like what they're doing here in America today, the test run was Nazi Germany of the 1930s. All of that was test run so they could see, oh, if we could do it in a country in Germany, if we could get someone like Hitler to rise. And that's why they tried to paint Hunt, they tried to paint uh, Trump as a Hitler because, uh, you know, he matched so many of that quality that the people rose to the occasion for Hitler. But of course, Trump was not um, was not uh, what do you call it? He was not able to be uh, manipulated as easily as Hitler, the vegetarian artist. Right. Soy boy. Um, they failed with Trump, but the, um, but the Americas, uh, the United States of America was most definitely that area for them. I think that Nazi Germany was the test ground for what they planned to do with our country and they failed ladies and gentlemen, and we have to make sure they keep on failing and that they cannot get a grasp. I mean, you know, do you know, actually, to be honest with you, I think that they failed. They, I think they've totally failed. I think at this point, they could never win. I think at this point, they could never win unless they just do something so heinous that it just shatters everyone. It just shatters everyone. Like, if you can get Mr. C down, if you can shatter my hope and you can shatter my belief and my resolve for the triumph of the people in this country then you should be worried. <laughs> if I ever come on this program or show and I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, it's over. <laughs> then you should be worried. But uh, at this moment, I think that we are farther than we've been in 50 to 60 years or more. At this moment, I think that there is more possibility and more hope that we could actually get this done and take back our Republic and restore the freedom to our country and then extend that to our brothers and sisters around the world and break the chains of these globalists and these purveyors of hate, evil, greed, and jealousy. We are so much closer than we have been in my lifetime since I've been awake. We're so much closer since I have been awake I take heart in the fact that we are here, but we have to press forward, we have to carry on, and we have to act. And acting does not mean taking our guns out to the streets. 
acting does not mean shooting down the people who come knocking on our doors for vaccines and, you know, on this uh, sake circle back, uh, Joe Biden, pedo, knock on your door campaign. Not that, ladies and gentlemen, but it is being active and clear and defiant and with much resolve when we're contacting those who are our supposed representatives. That's what I'm talking about. And also, it'll boil down, you know, maybe Mr. C will have to run for office. <laughs> I don't plan to, but if I have to, I will. I will lay down all of my dirty laundry on day one, so you guys know, because I've been, I've walked the straight and narrow for a time now, and I never thought I would, but I have. And I'm just getting, I'm kind of getting teed off to the point that I would just do it to do it, you know, because I think that's the only other way that I could contribute other than, you know, sharing my thoughts with these friends and family on the interwebs. I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's the coffee talking. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and finish up yesterday's chat recap. Just recapped how Russia has been a big enemy. Of the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, let's move on. Actually, okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? I think I'm going to move on. <laughs> we had a lot of great conversation, though, from yesterday's show and the discourse. Um, uh, I mean, it was all history, ladies and gentlemen. It was all history. And if you haven't heard that discourse by Myron C. Fagan, um, I would encourage you to check out the replay or go check him. I mean, just search him on... Um, Search him on YouTube or search him on, it was Myron Fagan, Myron Fagan, Myron C. Fagan. That was his name. I'm going to type it in the chat right now. Go search Myron C. Fagan. Get your hands on that. Uh, I mean, the recording is still out there. Everything is still out there. And share it. You don't have to share this program. You don't have to share the C report from yesterday. But give it a listen. It's well worth the listen. It's two and a half hours long. Um, and uh, that's basically all I got to say about that, ladies and gentlemen. So with that said, let's go ahead and uh, see who's stopping in to the C report today. And then we'll get underway with the rest of the sure. Okay, so... <clears throat> As I had said, just the weaponized truth, uh, love warns, looking up, uh, the Texan, Tam Garal, Raja D, all in the house. Good to have you guys with us. Let's see who else is hanging out before I get into the report. Uh, we got, 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 uh, just the beautiful lovelies. Palsy for hope. Thank you for gifting the ship. Oh, thank you for gifting the ship, my friend. Thank you for gifting the ship. And uh, Skeeter Burke is also in the house, always in Texas. The Speak Uneasy, one, two, three, SKG. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Empress Beach to you. We've got a whole bunch of our C service dog mom. How are you doing tonight, ma'am? Blessings to you, my friend. Looking up, Tam Grell, gifting the can to keep me refreshed as we move along. I hope you all are having a great Friday evening, and thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. Welcome back. I love having my C family here with us while we're doing these shows now. We have to get in today's report, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be one of those reports. I promise you. Okay. Pill by the rabbit. I know I saw you in the family also there. So don't let me, don't let me forget to say hello to pill by the rabbit. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 
Trump leads at the C report. So that's where we're going to start. Oh, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. By, by preface, by way of a preface, may I say, there will be no videos today on the C report. No videos. <laughs> so if I have to pee, too bad. <laughs> okay, let's get into the today's C report now. As always, President Trump leads at the C report. So let's see what statements he had to say. Now, interesting enough, interesting enough, President Trump uh, made some comments about, um, uh, you know, a uh, gubernatorial contender over there in the state of Virginia that we just literally talked about two shows ago. Babs the Ice Queen, you know who I'm talking about. Babs had a lot of intel on this man. And um, everyone's like Babs. And and honestly, you know, Babs said, you know, you know, she wasn't too sure about, um, you know, how Trump was endorsing these days. And just so you guys know, I'm not gossiping. All you have to do is go to two shows ago, two shows ago and read the chat recap. OK, now um, in today's uh, Trump statement, uh, President Trump says, wow. The numbers are really looking good for Glenn Youngkin in his race against Terry McAuliffe for governor of Virginia. Glenn has been an incredible success and will truly make Virginia great again. Rarely have I seen such enthusiasm. Virginia has so much potential, but has been badly hurt by awful economic policy, terrible crime, and the worst education system promoting critical race theory, etc. But Glenn will fix this immediately. He is a highly respected person, not just a figurehead like Virginia's current and recent past governors. Terry McAuffle was a failed and unpopular governor whose only claim to fame was his relationship with crooked Hillary Clinton. And we covered that at the Sea Report two shows ago. How did that work out? I knew McAwful well. He accepted large contributions from me, said only great things, and would do whatever I wanted until I ran for office. He was a political hack. If Virginia wants to open up and take advantage of its great and virtually unprecedented opportunity, Glenn Youngkin is the very successful businessman that will get them there. All right, Babs the Ice Queen, match, set, and go. You have been challenged by President Trump in regards to your opinions on Glenn Youngkin, but we won't take that at any judgment here at the Sea Report. We will just monitor Glenn Youngkin and see how he performs. But I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, would you call that a an, an endorsement of Glenn Youngkin? I mean, he didn't say I. Uh, he he didn't say Glenn Youngkin has my complete and full endorsement. He did not say that. However. He did give some pretty good words to Glenn Youngkin. Now, we already know, based on what we know and what we heard uh, about uh, Terry McAuliffe's past, definitely a Clinton insider, definitely working over with that what that Woodruff woman at PBS. Uh, so we know that that guy, he's bad. He's bad. Are we going for the lesser of two evils here? Or does Trump know something? Or does... Uh, this Yunkin fellow just really need to prove himself on the battlefield so we can see the true color of his stripes. All will be told, but ladies and gentlemen, this is what I say. We have to take him at 
or do our due diligence and do the research onto these people. It clearly sounded like Babs had done her research on this individual. So hopefully it does not go sour between Glenn Youngkin and this kind of endorsement from President Trump. All righty. In our next statement from President Trump, the story written by third-rate reporter Michael Bender that Mike Pence and I had a big fight over Corey Lewandowski is totally false. No such fight ever happened. It is fiction, as are so many other stories written in the vast number of books coming out about me. But you don't have to take his word for it. Dun, dun, dun. No, just kidding. Read the book. Okay. <laughs> No, I would take his word for it. I would take his word for it. I'd take him at 100%, this man. And uh, I'm pretty sure he could keep himself there. Third statement from President Trump. It seems to me that meeting with authors of the ridiculous number of books being written about my very successful administration or me is a total waste of time. They write whatever they want to write anyway without sources, fact-checking, or asking whether or not an event is true or false. Frankly, so many stories are made up or pure fiction. These writers are often bad people who write whatever comes to their mind or fits the agenda. It has nothing to do with facts or reality. So when reading the garbage that the fake news media puts out, please remember and take everything with a grain of salt. Of course, I'm pretty sure that President Trump is addressing those who are, I don't know, half awake or asleep. Because those of us who know, and those of us who are awake, indeed we know, ladies and gentlemen, indeed we know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, those were our statements from our president, President Donald Trump. And now, we are going over to this man. All right, guys, about, I don't know, a few weeks ago, we started to do our first foray here into the C-Report in regards to Hunter Biden and his uh, laptop from hell. So, you know, the sordid topic of Hunter Biden and his laptop for hell um, is a very, very interesting discussion. Now, a lot of people in the media, and I'm talking about the independents, the patriots, the conservative media, uh, you know, they are, they are starting to give out their articles on what has been found to be in those laptops. Now, interesting enough to me is that within the last week to two and a half to three weeks, there have been more and more stories about Hunter Biden's laptops and his emails and some texts specifically that have been coming to the forefront of um, the news. And, you know, I have to kind of sit back and wonder why, you know, because allegedly we had uh, all of the leaks from Hunter's, Hunter Biden's laptop going back to what? October, November, December, right? I mean for crying out loud, ladies and gentlemen, in August, the uh, Senate uh, Judicial Committee had a hearing on Burisma and Hunter Biden to see whether or not, you know, um, 
I don't know, you know, FARA might have been violated. FARA laws, the Foreign Agents Registry Act, something to that effect. I might not be saying those acronyms 100% correct, but they had a hearing back then in August of 2020. So, and at that point, some of Hunter Biden's emails had been leaked, you know? So I just kind of have to sit back and wonder, why are we having a third wave of Hunter Biden's emails coming onto the scene now. Why is it now that we, and you know, the thing about it is not everyone is talking about this, but that's okay. That's okay. You know, they're talking about other things, you know, but not everyone has taken a moment to kind of address what is going on here with Hunter Biden and his emails. Now, if we were to stay on the same path, that we were first initiated when it came to Hunter Biden and what he was doing and what he was being called out for, we would simply discount this man as what? As a drug addict, as a sex addict, as a crack hoe, you know? And I mean, that's, that's very well within reach, ladies and gentlemen. That assessment of him is very well within reach. But as it goes for all humans, as it goes for you and I and everyone else that we might know, certain parts of our life are just facets of our entire T, who we are. You know what I mean? So I would have to say that based on the information that I will be sharing with you all tonight and, uh, you know, the emails, the communications, the stories, um, I have come to the conclusion, uh, and you know, this is not based on what mainstream media tells us. It's not based on, you know, uh, CNN or Fox or any, any of the big ones that started talking, even people in the Patriot community that started talking about Hunter because, for me, the story of Hunter begins with a crack pipe, which actually is not a crack pipe. It's actually a pipe for uh, uh, for um, uh, like inducing or inhaling methamphetamines. Now, crack cocaine and crystal meth or methamphetamines are very different drugs, okay? And uh, I never saw pictures of Hunter Biden with a piece of styrofoam, well, not styrofoam, a piece of uh, aluminum foil or, or like a burnt spoon. You know what I mean? He was, always with a, he was always with a meth pipe in his mouth or laying on his bed or something like that. So very, that's very different indeed now. He's not a crackhead. He doesn't do crack cocaine. He does methamphetamines, crystal meth, ice, tea, whatever you want to call it. That's more of like what I was seeing in the photos and the discourse about this man and what he did. Um, but that's indeed the painting that we've been told. Now, along with that lifestyle and along with the photos and the pictures and everything that we've seen about this Hunter Biden, uh, you could definitely say he's a sex addict. You could say he's a sex fiend. You could say he's a, a demoralized, uh, scrupulous individual who will do anything to get off and to get high and to get lit, right? That's kind of the way that this paint, uh, picture is being painted of Hunter Biden. But um, in the context of the emails and the communications that I will be sharing with you all tonight, we kind of start to see a different picture of exactly who Hunter Biden was and what he did and who he is, perhaps. I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe he still does these things to this day. I don't know. But it's in the body of his emails. Now, to give credit where credit is due, ladies and gentlemen, because I am that kind of person, I have to say that this idea of Hunter Biden being not just a crack addict and a sex fiend, but perhaps being something more than that, perhaps being a functioning crackhead, a high-functioning drug addict, comes from another source totally. And all of this kind of ties in together. Because like I said, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we, if, uh, we have a third wave of Hunter Biden emails coming out. We have a third wave of information on Hunter Biden and his dealings coming out. Where did that come from? Indeed, where did it come from? Why now? If, they, if the FBI and if the New York Post and Daily Mail has had Hunter Biden's laptop and email in their palms since August, June, September of 2020, why now is this third wave of Hunter Biden emails coming to the front? Now, you guys may recall that I have shared some of these leaked emails with you all on this show, probably going up to about a month ago now. Now, this whole idea proliferated, I believe, comes from a very specific source. And that source, my friends, would indeed be torysays.com. Now, some of you guys may know who torysays.com is. Y'all may have heard of her reports and her radio show. But indeed, going back to some months ago, going back to some months ago, when I, I had more time to actually listen to the news reports coming out at torysays.com, they were talking about how they actually had uh, within their staff or, or whomever they work with, they actually had copies of Hunter Biden's laptop. They had it downloaded and they were able to make copies of it. And indeed, they were actually they rebuilt it according to what they said. Now, you know, I don't know that this could this was actually true. What I do know is that probably about. Almost a month ago, uh, the people over at torysays.com made Hunter Biden's laptop available for download to leak all of the Burisma emails, to leak all of his junk mail, and uh, th there was another section that they were making available. So apparently, Tory says, had a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop. They made available to everybody that wanted to access these emails, uh, all of his, everything that happened. And according to what they said, they had taken out all of the pornog pornographic material. They'd taken out all of the pedophilia material so that this way, if you downloaded a copy of that email hard drive, the Fed would not be knocking down on your door. Now, admittedly, I was not able to download those emails because by the time I went over there, um, they had stopped, uh, they, they'd ceased access to those emails. So the information that I'm going to be sharing with you from tonight comes from people who have been putting out stories on Hunter Biden's laptop since that time. Now, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, the Daily Mail and the New York Post had run several stories 
on Hunter Biden's laptop and his emails going back to like October, August, November of last year, ladies and gentlemen. So that's why I ask if indeed there is a third wave of Hunter Biden's emails, why did you know, outfits like the Daily Mail or the New Post wait until now to put those out. And I will tell you why, because I think they probably got this information from Tori Says. Now, she leaked his laptop. She said that they had him. And so, like I said, a lot of the informations uh, that are that we will, a lot of the emails that I will be presenting from you to you tonight, I don't know for a fact that these did come from the leaked websites that Tory says provided to reporters and the world about Hunter Biden's laptop. But prior to her making this available, no one was talking about it. So when I'm searching through the, uh, the interwebs and I'm reading my headlines and everything, and Hunter Biden fell out the topic of Hunter Biden, his emails and his laptops fell out of the headlines worldwide throughout the summer until now. So if these emails were available to the public prior to then, I don't understand why they would not have reported on them then. Because like I said, in August of 2020, the Senate committee had a hearing in regards to Burisma and a firm known as Blue Star Strategies and they brought them in for testimony. They brought them in to question them on, on possibly violating the FARA Act, F-A-R-A, the Foreign Agencies Registration Act, if I'm not mistaken. They brought them in to uh, talk about that. So a lot of the emails that we're going to cover tonight, ladies and gentlemen, go beyond the scope of what that Judiciary Hearing and Senate Committee meeting had in that testimony with Blue Strategies uh, Blue Star Strategies. Like, if they had what we have now back then, they would have hung Blue Star Strategies up on a high wire, ladies and gentlemen, because there is proof beyond proof that Blue Star Strategies worked in tandem with Hunter Biden and other people in his agencies to corroborate a beautiful image for Burisma and Nikolai uh, Zosletsky over at Burisma in the Ukraine. And we talked about the Ukraine and Nikolai Zosletsky and how, I'm saying his name wrong, but Zosletsky, and how Hunter had him snuck into the United States so that he could illegally meet with Vice President Joe Biden at the time. Now, this is Vice President Joe Biden meeting with illegal and also criminals, people who were wanted, people whose passports were being denied in the United States. Like, that's what was happening in 2015-16. We reported this to you guys the last time we talked about Hunter Biden's emails. And so now we are most definitely going to get into some of the thick of it. But I just thought I would say, for us to be having a third wave of Hunter Biden's emails, one has to wonder where people like the Gateway Pundit, the New York Post, etc., are getting this information. And I would have to say that this information probably came from the leak that was provided for us at torysays.com. So I have to say that at the beginning, because uh, indeed, I would not be here giving you this presentation tonight if that were not the case. Now, as a whistleblower, that uh, th that calls into some other spectrums I had for a different thought. But 
tonight's emails and also the disposition that I will be giving to you all does corroborate, confirm, and expand. So in other words, the information that we gleaned from some of the emails that are be putting out by news agencies today, like Just the News, like the New York Post, because I read the headlines and I report on those headlines. I give an analysis on those headlines. That's what I do here. Okay, the, uh, what we're reading tonight, they corroborate, they confirm, and they expand on previous emails that were released by outfits like the New York Post and also the DailyMail.com because they had some of these communications back in, in mid-2020, what we'll be going through tonight. But, but with tonight's show, it gets a little bit deeper and we're just going to bring it all together. We're just going to piece all of it together, ladies and gentlemen, because it's going to give you guys a bigger picture. You know, when Tory says that Hunter Biden was not just a crack addict, that he was not just a sex fiend, that he was probably a genius. He was a businessman, a high functioning drug addict. I was like, what the heck are you talking about, girl? What the heck are you talking about? This guy's in pictures with blue auras flowing out of his body and he's doing crack and he's taking pictures with his nieces and he's saying that he's hard in his bed and his nephews. Like this guy is just a write-off. But it seems that that is the picture that they wanted to paint of this guy. And I think that he may have been a possible scapegoat against his father, Joe Biden. And I think that his father was using him. His father was using him so that this way, if worse came to worse, they could just say, well, my son was a crack addict and he was a druggie. And uh, you can't blame it on me because he was the one pulling the strings. But what we'll see, and I'm sure some of you guys know out there, I'm sure, sure some of you guys know out there that uh, Hunter was pulling for his family. Hunter was running a bunch of business deals. Hunter was doing a lot. He was a businessman, a point man for his family, bringing in income and giving it to his fathers. In fact, some of the first, the very first emails that we're going to get to on Hunter Biden will show exactly that. But just real quick so you guys can see, because I actually did share this with you guys about, I don't know, three weeks to a month ago. When we're, oh, this, this was the whole point with the whistleblowers. This had to do with a letter. This had to do with an email communication between Hunter Biden and Tucker Carlson where I shared with you guys that Tucker Carlson has actually really good friends and really good pals with Hunter Biden. And Tory says, called him to task and leaked this email, which kind of makes me think that uh, it's a little funny now that you have someone like Tucker Carlson getting on TV and saying that the NSA leak was going to leak his information but that a whistleblower informed him otherwise. It kind of makes me wonder what whistleblower he was talking about exactly. Anyways, just so you guys can remember, because I shared this with you guys about a month ago. It says, uh, uh, this was an email from Tucker Carlson to Hunter Biden. 
Um, he said, just lost my S on the editor over there. He claims the London office forced him to do it. He's a pig either way. I told him so. This whole thing is disgusting and awful, and it breaks my heart that you all have to go through it. I'm really sorry. Let me know if there's anything Susie and I can do to help. That was after receiving a message from Hunter Biden to Tucker Carlson that just gave him his phone number. Basically, a call me. Call me, babe. And then uh, Hunter Biden wrote back to Tucker Carlson, I'm sorry for even calling you. I know I put you in a difficult position and upon reflection as your friend, I should never have done that. I was just so upset that they went to my house and confronted Finnegan. I've been in Delaware the last two months sleeping in my nephew's bed and it's hard to even get up in the morning sometimes. Eric provided all the information on background that proves this was not me, not my IP address, not my credit card number, not my birth certificate, but they still come anyway. I can take the hit. I'll be fine. But the notion that under any circumstances, whether ordered to by an editor or not, that someone would confront my 16-year-old daughter at my home is just wrong. Regardless, I should have never put you in this position. You have your own family, all of whom I love, and your own business. And defending me is not something a friend should ask a friend to do. Tell Susie we love her and miss you both very much. So you can see there, there's a very, very friend. I mean, that's beyond friendly to me. That's like best buds. That's like we're friends between Tucker Carlson and Hunter Biden. And this email was leaked from ToriSays.com. So I'm just like, bam, you know, like uh, that's pretty. And now we have Tucker talking about the NSA leaking his information um, but I don't know. I know the NSA to be a um, uh, an information gathering type of organization. Like that's what my understanding is of them. I've never heard a story in the press, in the headlines or otherwise, even from informants or people who have radio shows. I've never heard a story of the NSA actually leaking information. I've heard of uh, three-letter agencies leaking information and other people leaking information, but not of the NSA. I know the NSA collects the information. I know that uh, they set up um, they set up what uh, a mirror or a bridge type of stream to the NSA through the 702s that they uh, split. They they basically mirror that information and sell it off through Brennan and Jim Jones companies. I understand that. But um, I haven't heard of anyone specifically from the NSA leaking that information. So I don't know what's up with that. But the fact that Tucker Carlson says a whistleblower is the one who informed him kind of makes me wonder if he's talking about Tori because she's a whistleblower also. But anyways, uh, it concludes here um, from Tucker to Hunter Biden. Are you kidding? I'm glad you called. What they did was repulsive and immoral, and I hope I wrecked their day. I certainly try to F them. Let me know if there's any way we can help. Now, that's from Tucker Carlson to Hunter Biden. And like I said, that was an email that was le leaked over at ToriSays.com as a whistleblower. So I just wonder if, you know, she's not the whistleblower that Tucker Carlson's talking about. But that's just to give you guys a little bit of um, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, like uh, uh, a meshing of what we'll be talking about tonight. So. Now that I'm done with that and letting you guys know kind of my thoughts on that, the whole point of tonight is to show you all through the context of these emails and communications that Hunter Biden is not exactly what people paint him to be in the media 
the mainstream media or otherwise, even in the Patriot media, because I really think that his father and his family may have used him as a scapegoat um, to, to basically lay him out and say like, hey, we're innocent. These are the dealings of a crack addict and a sex fiend. And uh, indeed, the first emails that we'll share with you guys today gives evidence to the fact that Hunter Biden indeed was the family mule. He was paying for his family. He was taking care of their business. He was giving them money. You guys might remember um, about that uh, one interview that Tucker Carlson had done with a former business partner of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and Jim Biden. And that guy himself said, you know, there was a certain percentage that went to the big guy. And that's where that famous term was phrased. <laughs> I believe it was, was something like what? 10% or something like that. But uh, even so um, in, in some texts and emails, well, it was a text, I believe to his daughter, Hunter Biden had said something to the effect that, you know, I'm not going to make you give half of your salary over to me, just like your fa my father has to you. So anyways, let's go ahead and start taking a look into this. Uh, we'll be talking about now Hunter Biden and how uh, not only did Hunter Biden pay his bills for the family, um, but as we go on, we'll see that Joe Biden indeed did have business dealings with Hunter Biden, and he was aware. And that's the other thing that we need to address throughout the discourse of this information tonight was the fact that contrary to what the mainstream media, the fake news media, the legacy media will say, um, Joe Biden, illegitimate Joe, pedo Joe, president-elect, the resident president, right? He knew everything about his son's business dealings. And in fact, while there's not evidence to the contrary that he might have set him up to do this, he definitely did have Hunter Biden under his wing to, I don't know, I mean, I mean, perhaps he groomed him to be this way. And it just so happens that uh, this Hunter Biden fellow mixed up in drugs and a party lifestyle, uh, high functioning, able to do it. I mean, I cannot examine the rest of his psychology because I don't know. I can't dig that deep. But um, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pretty crazy story. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into this real quick. So it says, uh, we'll be talking about, okay, so Hunter Biden paid for his dad's bill. So this way we know for a fact that Hunter Biden was actually the workhorse for the family. What I would call a mule otherwise, he was uh, he was pimped out by his dad, if not just using his dad's stature and his dad's place in government in order to secure business deals and really floof that up for them so that he could continue to pay for his father and do things for his father as his father need. Now, that's not to say it wasn't a symbiotic relationship. That's not to say that there wasn't some give and receive. Like, obviously, there are stories out there now that we're not going to cover tonight that have to do with Joe Biden paying for hunters, prostitutes, and stuff like that. So I guess it was a little give, a little take, right? And there's also communications to the extent of Hunter Biden asking for money from his dad's, I guess, financial uh, person to give him money and stuff like that. Those communications exist out there. But what I want to try and do is set up the fact that 
Hunter was actually uh, being a provider for his family or at least in charge of his lucrative or his monetary uh, accounts and businesses or just at least getting the bills done. <laughs> now, Hunter was assigned by his father the role of the family breadwinner. This is from a story from New York Post. Um, Through lucrative and grace and favor jobs and sweetheart deals facilitated by illegitimate Joe's network of connections in Delaware and throughout the world. Now, um, some people would say that Hunter was resentful for it. And like I said, there were emails and text messages to that effect. Um, for example, um, he had said to his daughter in a text in 2019, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. That's what he told his daughter. He said, it's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop or Illegitimate Joe, I won't make you give me half of your salary. So anyways, this has been disclosed. This has been, uh, this has been seen as a communication between. So you kind of get the idea here that Hunter Biden has in fact, um, has in fact uh, felt a certain way about the way his life has gone and the way he's been treated by his family. Um, but what we do know is that while Joe Biden was vice president, Hunter routinely paid some of his father's household expenses. So he was expected to pay his father's bills. He paid $190 a month to uh, Joe Biden's AT&T bills all the way around. Um, in an email from June 5th, 2010, um, it, with the subject entitled uh, Joe R. Biden's Bills, Hunter from Eric Sherwin, and we'll talk about Eric Sherwin throughout uh, a bit of tonight's discourse. That was his business partner. Now, Rosemont Seneca is like, I guess, a banking firm that was started by Hunter. And there's a apparently there's a bunch of, of, of Senate and House kids that work at Rosemont Seneca. But Eric Sherwin was his business partner there, Hunter Biden's business partner there. And uh, Eric Sherwin was expected to foot hefty bills to Wilmington contractors for maintenance and upkeep of Joe Biden's palatial lakefront property. These bills included uh, $2,600 to contractor Earl Downing for a stone retaining wall at uh, Joe Biden's uh, Wilmington estate, uh, $1,475 to a painter by the name of Ronald Peacock to paint the back wall and columns of the house, $1,239 to a builder by the name of Mike Christopher for repairs to their air conditioning at the cottage of Joe's late mother, Jean Mom Mom Biden, <coughs> which was also on his property, which he would later rent to see Secret Service people for $2,200 a month. And then again, we also had $475 for shutters that was owed to RBI construction of Bear, Delaware, um, for about which was also uh, close to Wilmington. So these were things that have been documented that Joe uh, Hunter Biden has had to pay or to ensure that they were taken care of through Rosemont Seneca for his father, Joe Biden, which would clearly put uh, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily mean that Joe B uh, Hunter Biden was his father's caretaker, but he was most definitely taking care of Joe Biden's financials on the backside while he was off doing whatever he was doing and also making money for the family to which a certain percentage was going to illegitimate Joe. <clears throat> 
Now, there was an email from Eric Schwerwin to Hunter Biden that uh, said, FYI, there are a few outstanding bills that need to be paid, and I'm not sure which ones are a priority and which ones get paid out of my account and which should be put on hold or... Now, again, that is more evidence to the fact that you know, between uh, Hunter and Eric at Rosemont Seneca, they were taking care of the family bills and that clearly there's something going on here because uh, the account that was Eric Schwerwin's was probably not his actual account. It was probably, I don't know, maybe a, a dupe account or something like that in which that uh, uh, Joe Biden and the family were also withdrawing money from. He said, there's about $2,000 extra in my account beyond what is used for monthly expenses. And uh, um, later from that, Hunter had replied that Mike Christopher, who's the builder we had missed, is hassling him over paying a couple of the smaller things so he hasn't heard from his dad. So again, Hunter is being the in-between man, the point man between his finances and also the contractors and the people that he's hiring here. So we see that Hunter Biden, you want to say he's a crack addict. You want to say he's just a druggie. You want to say he's a sex fiend and he just hides in the corner with his children and his his family members and, and other Chinese whores, you know, like, uh, but then you're kind of, you're kind of getting uh, the whole narrative um, foibled at the fact that this guy was actually doing a whole lot more than just, you know, running drug and sex houses for his own uh, pleasure. He was doing a lot more than that. I think based on the emails that we'll be going through tonight, you'll see that he's probably doing a lot more than any of his other children. And he was being very successful at it, despite the fact of his personal pleasures and stuff like that. Um, okay, so it says here also that there was a memo um, from, uh, let's see here, uh, from uh, Hunter Biden um, to Eric saying, does it make sense to see if your dad has some time in the next couple of weeks? Okay, so this was from Eric to Hunter. And he's asking Hunter, does it make sense to see if your dad has some time in the next couple of weeks while you are in D.C. to talk about the expenses? Your dad just called me about his mortgage. So it dawned on me to, it might be a good time for some positive news about his future earning potential. So I guess Eric Schwerwin was really holding it down over at Rosemont Seneca. And he was very, very worried that, uh, you know, he might not be getting the money that he's entitled to, or he might have to pay out of pocket, or perhaps he was worried about the family itself, you know, and worried about the fact that uh, there might not be enough funds going into the future. Now, in an email from uh, April 12, 2018, to his assistant, Katie Dodge, Hunter complained that he had been shut out of his Wells Fargo bank account, saying too many cooks in the kitchen, too many profile changes and such happened 10 days ago to two. My dad has been using most lines on this account, which I've, through the gracious offerings of Eric, have paid for the past 11 years. So there you see Hunter is confirming the fact that he has, in fact, been taking care of illegitimate Joe's finances, I guess, while he's hiding in the basement, sniffing children, right? So that this way his dad will have a saved face and look good and uh, continue on doing what he's doing, whatever that might be and whomever it might be for. 
Uh, the article said that further evidence that Joe expected to receive a slice of his son's income was provided by Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter's former business partner in a firm called Oneida, uh, which was set up to enter a joint venture with the Chinese energy conglomerate CEFC. Uh, Bobolinsky said that Joe was the big guy referred to in a 2017 email and that was to be allocated uh, 10% equity in the firm that's 10% held by Hunter for the big guy. So 10% of Hunter's income would be going to Joe Biden. Now, again, this is just to kind of set up the fact to you guys that Hunter Biden is actually doing more and is more involved in the intricate financing and I guess, you know, legwork that goes behind President-select Joe Biden. Joe Biden's off eating ice cream, you know, double scoops with chocolate chips and asking children what he's doing at a cherry orchard where you have someone like his son who has clearly um, has a, a very colorful lifestyle, right? But is being painted by the media to be a write-off and I think, again, this is to give some some degree of separation from Biden and his administration or Joe Biden and his personal life from any of the fraud, any of the financing, uh, any of the treason that is being perpetuated behind the scenes by his mule, his own son, Hunter Biden. Like he's definitely to me, it's like he's using his own son to be the fall guy for him so that when the light shines down on all of the sins of the Biden crime family, he can paint it on his crackhead son. So am I saying that Biden is innocent? Uh, Hunter Biden is innocent. No. Am I saying that Hunter Biden is absolved of all of his sins? No. But what I am saying here is that this is another type of I don't know. This is a different facet, ladies and gentlemen. This is a different perspective on this man on the screen right here. I know most of you guys have probably had your dinner in your mouth while he's on the screen, but um, we have to kind of really look into what this man really is. He's been painted as a crack addict, sex fiend, very disgusting, some of his tastes, right? Based on what we've seen, based on what we've heard, but don't you think that that someone that has his character profile would be the perfect fall guy for a corrupt administration and a corrupt human being like Joe Biden? That's kind of where I'm going with this. You know, it's kind of what I see. And I really understand it now that I've under I've seen these emails, because like I said, I've heard people say it before. You know, Torpisher Mardis has said it herself. And I was kind of like, wow, what do you mean? And then you see these emails and you kind of get the idea of what they mean when they say that this guy was a high functioning crack addict or drug addict and was actually doing all this stuff behind the scenes for the Biden family. And you kind of wonder if they were not intending for his narrative to be the cover or the fall guy, the scapegoat for the sins of the family. Okay, and this is just so that these people don't get out without accountability being landed upon them. It's so that someone like Joe Biden does not get the pass because he used his son to do all of this sin in his name. You know, make money for his family, uh, uh, sell out America for his family, commit treason against America for his family. Is Joe Biden going to get away with treason and selling out America because he had his crack addict son doing it for him? He shouldn't. And that's why we're going through the emails today.
because this is going to show you guys that he was working for his father and he was very savvy. He was a businessman, but it took this information coming out, at least for me to process it because I couldn't process it before. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and get back into this. Um, we have another, we have some more emails here. Okay. So, uh, let's see, let's just see what it says here about Sherwin. Sherwin had been a loyal factotum to Hunter since the days they worked together in the department of commerce during the Clinton administration. So apparently, uh, this Eric Sherwin and Eric Sherwin's name will appear later more and more as we go out tonight, as well as Hunter Biden had worked together in the Department of Commerce during the Clinton administration, guys. So they go back. And then as president of Rosemont Seneca, uh, Sherwin would do everything from hunt, from hunt, and from answering Hunter's emails to facilitating his alimony payments and organizing his trips to China. So Eric Sherwin was basically Hunter Biden's personal assistant over at Rosemont Seneca. And again, Rosemont Seneca is this banking firm, banking firm that uh, Hunter Biden started uh, apparently, or was part of its uh, origins. But there apparently are a bunch of Senate and House children who work over at Rosemont Seneca, which I find rather interesting. Now, Sherwin was also, this Eric Sherwin guy, was also rewarded with a Plum Obama government appointment to the Commission of Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. So that's pretty interesting. Now, guys, as we move on, don't forget, I shared with you guys the emails that were linking Hunter Biden to Nikolai Zlochevsky, um, who's the former, now what, like, outlaw president of the Ukraine, Right. Okay. And also an individual by the name of Vadim Postcharsky. And if you guys remember Hunter Biden, and because it's, oh, it's so crazy how this all ties into those emails that I shared with you guys probably about a few weeks ago, how uh, um, Hunter Biden was trying to sneak Nikolai Zolchevsky and Vadim Postcharsky from the Ukraine into the United States. So this way they could meet with illegitimate Joe, Pedo Joe Biden at the White House. Remember, guys, because their visas were were denied. They were saying your visas are denied. You are barred entrance into the United States. They got word from that from someone in the United Kingdom. So then Hunter Biden got a hold of his contacts in Mexico to see if they could facilitate uh, a meeting between Cholchevsky and Biden, a vice president, and uh, in Mexico, when that didn't happen, somehow they got into Mexico and they snuck across the border and they had a meeting at the White House that was in like April of 2015. Okay, and we talked about that a few shows ago when we first started to address the Hunter Biden emails. So just so you guys can remember, all of this is coming up because... When the media and illegitimate Joe say that he did not know or had no knowledge of Hunter's business dealings internationally, abroad, or otherwise, they are all lies. We have the pictures with you guys tonight. So with that, let's start with Hunter Biden's dealings with uh, businessmen in the country of Mexico, okay? The country of Mexico. And we'll go ahead and post this one right up at the start. I'll go ahead and expand that for you guys. Now, that is a photo 
of illegitimate Joe as vice president, standing with Carlos Slim, who as who was at one time considered the most, most wealthiest man in the world, a businessman from the country of Mexico. Um, and this photo was actually taken at the vice president's residence over at the Naval Observatory. Now, that's just one to start. So Joe had invited Hunter's foreign associates, these gentlemen here, these businessmen here from Mexico, illegitimate Joe had invited them over to have breakfast at his presidential residence again. Um, and they, he also invited him to the office in the White House. Now, in this meeting, he took his son, Hunter, on Air Force Two to countries where Hunter was doing dealings and on at least one occasion included Hunter's business partner, Eric. Uh, sorry, it's not Eric. It's Jeffrey Cooper on these business trips. Now, this is documented. So when Pre uh, uh, President-elect Biden says that he had no idea about his son's business dealings, Here's another photo. We've all seen this picture, right? Look at this picture, right? We've seen the one between him and other individuals in uh, Hunter Biden's uh, uh, business circle, you know, his circle of uh, people that he worked with. Now, here's another one, and this one is in Mexico. Now, the cooperation in this one here, the cooperation in this photo here, uh, because there was an email, uh, actually, it wasn't an email from Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, this is newly released. I guess Hunter Biden kept a diary of sorts. And in this diary, he had written down having breakfast with dad at the Naval Ops Observatory, 8.30 a.m. on November 19th, 2015. And again, the, these photographs, such as the one that we're looking at now, were date stamped and time stamped to have taken place on that day at 10.03 a.m. and 10.04 a.m., as it appears on his leaked laptop, okay? And uh, again, Joe here is posing with uh, Hunter's business associates, Carlos Slim and Miguel Aleman Velasco. So that's who we have pictured here. Now here's another one. Now this picture, let me go ahead and expand that for you guys. This photo shows uh, President Select Biden, then VP, um, standing with um, right here, this guy's this guy, his name is Jeffrey Cooper. This guy is Jeffrey Cooper. That's this guy. Okay. Then you have Carlos Slim here. Now, this guy is the guy that's considered the wealthiest man at that time, at least the wealthiest man in Mexico. Then you have illegitimate Joe right here. Then you have this uh Miguel Aleman Velasco right here. There is Hunter Biden, the functioning crack addict that does all the business dealings that is bringing his father money and bringing uh, wealth to the Biden uh, family name and household, right? He's their mule. And then this guy right here is uh, Miguel Aleman Velasco's son, uh, Miguel Aleman Magnani, okay? And there's future communications between Magnani and Joe and Cooper as we move along. But uh, what really corroborated this, because you could say this picture could have been taken everywhere, anywhere. How do we know this picture wasn't taken in Mexico? How do we know that this picture wasn't taken, I don't know, in Delaware, right? How do we know that this photo was taken in uh, the uh, vice president's residence at the Naval Observatory? 
Well, the cooperation comes from the fact that um, it was taken in the living room of the vice president's residence, which was painted at the time daffodil yellow by Jill Biden herself. Well, she didn't paint it herself, but she chose the colors. So people know from that time based on, you know, how the, the first VP or the first lady decorate their, their residency, that this was indeed a color selected by Jill Biden. So we know that this was at the Naval Observatory, right? This is where they had this breakfast meeting with people from Mexico that was uh, um, arranged by Hunter Biden and Joe Biden attended, even though Joe Biden claims that he did not know anything about his son's business dealings, okay? Not only that, I mean, it's very detailed, ladies and gentlemen. There are distinctive paintings by Vermont artist. These paintings back here are by a Vermont Vermont artist by the name of Wolf Kahn. And they were on loan to the Naval Observatory by Addison Ripley from the Fine Arts in Georgetown. Okay, so you can see them here. So they know for a fact this took place at the Vice President's House of Residence. Okay, and then also not to mention that there are two floral chairs and a pink toned silk rug, <laughs> which is very detailed, very detailed, but that's how they can cooperate this. Not to mention that Politico had an article out around this time that spotted Carlos Slim, this man, at a uh, Four Seasons over in Georgetown. So I think that's very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. That's just some proof in the pudding about this meeting that took place there that uh, VP Biden was in attendance at and was well aware of what his son and who his business partners were at that time. Now, this guy, Jeffrey Cooper and uh, Hunter Biden had been working on energy deals in Mexico and also in other places in Latin America. In a 2013 email from Cooper, um, they demonstrate their high expectations of their association with the Aleman. Oh, sorry, that's the Alemans right here. This guy right here. Aleman and Aleman. Aleman Sr. and Aleman Jr. Between a business working in, working with these two guys right here, right? Because they're already going to have some money coming in from Carlos Slim. But working with the Alamans, that was another business dynasty that they were very interested in uh, in working with. And um, it was a February 26th email. Uh, Hunter had written to Jeffrey saying, uh, Miguel wants us to go to Mexico City and that it's going to be a flipping gigantic brother. Right. OK. So and then at that time, President Enrique Peña Nieto was reforming Mexico's energy markets that would allow private capital investments in state owned oil and gas monopolies, Petrolos Mexicanos or Pemex. So they were standing to make a lot of money. It's interesting how Hunter is involved in a lot of energy businesses, as we'll see when we get into Burisma. Now, Cooper's association with Biden. This that's this guy right here, Mr. Cooper. Jeffrey Cooper, his association with Hunt of the Bidens began in 2005, just so you all know, when he started to file multi-million multi dollar lawsuits in Delaware that were in association with Joe Biden's late son, Bo Biden's law firm. 
Now, Bo Biden's law firm, which was Beferrato, Gentioletti, and Biden, they were specializing in asbestos compensations for businesses. So apparently Jeffrey Cooper had a business that was befuddled by asbestos. He got in uh, touch with uh, Bo Biden's law firm and they started making, uh, you know, lawsuits from there. And he won $30 million. He was awarded $30 million in compensation for asbestos uh, claims uh, on his business. And that was also helped by Joe as a leader of the powerful Judiciary Committee. So Joe Biden had some dealings with what was going on there. Now you see the revolving door. You see how these people help each other out and pat each other on their backs. Well, that's what Joe was doing for this man, Jeffrey Cooper. And Jeffrey Cooper then became a business associate of the Biden family and worked with Hunter Biden from that point forward. He made a lot of money, ladies and gentlemen, $30 million from that assistance, blocking Bestos litigation reform when a bill reached the Senate floor, as Paul Sperry from Real Clear Investigations reported, just so you guys know. Now, when Joe became vice president, Cooper put Hunter on the board of his venture capital firm called Yodoro Global. Eudora Global was the name of it. And let me see, do I have, let me see. I think I might have his photo coming up here. Is that, nope, that's an email. My bad. We'll get to that one in just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Let me pop back on over here and go and get that thing going there. Okay. Okay. So Hunter then became a business associate and partner of Jeffrey Cooper at that time. And um, let me see here. Uh, when that happened, let's see. Um, he gave him shares in the business. So Jeffrey Cooper gave Hunter Biden shares in his business. And that netted that netted Hunter Biden around $80,000 a year, according to documentation on his laptop. In 2015, Hunter also received a one-time payment of $300,000 from Eudora Global. So, you know, they're all working together. It all comes together. Now, Simmons Cooper, um, which was another uh, investment firm, um, gave um, $1 million for Hunter and his uncle Jim Biden's abortive attempt to run a hedge fund. So, again, they're helping each other out, doing business with each other. But that venture ended and the Bidens had to return. So, you know, that he's he, they're trying to do a business. They're helping him out. That's their closest their closest kin here when we're talking about this kind of money and these kind of people. Now, Cooper joined uh, the vice president's entourage on Air Force Two in Mexico in 2016 when he and Hunter were trying to negotiate an ill-fated petroleum deal with Aleman Magnani. That's this guy right here, Aleman Magnani. And uh, at 6 p.m. on February 24, 2016, about an hour after uh, they were settled over at their joint venture at Joint Base Andrews on the five-hour flight to Mexico City. Hunter wrote a plaintiff email to Aleman Magnani using Air Force to secure high-speed satellite communication. And that is this one here that I was going to show to you just a second ago. So apparently this is an email from Hunter to Aleman Magnani. That's what this mailman, I was like, mailman? <laughs> it's M. Aleman Magnani, okay, um, where he's talking to him. So I guess things didn't go so well for them. In this email, he says, we are arriving late tonight on Air Force Two to Mexico City. We will be there for Thursday. I'm attending meetings with President N. 
and with dad. Jeff is with me on lane and we will be with us. Uh, he will be with us all day. Would love to see, uh, but you never respond. I'm really upset by it. You respond when it's something you need. You are the most generous person I know, but what WTF, WTF, we have so many great things to do together. And I want you to, I want you at the plane when the VP lands uh, with your mom and dad and complete, oh wait, when the VP lands with your mom and dad and you completely ignore me, I've looked at what your family has done and want to follow in that tradition. And you always say you will help, but I haven't heard from you since I got you a, a man, um, an MTG uh, for Carlos and your dad. Uh, we have been talking about business deals with partnerships for seven years, and I really appreciate you letting me stay at your resort via, but I have brought every single person you have ever asked me to bring to the effing White House and the vice president's house and the inauguration, and then you go completely silent. I don't hear from you for months. I don't know what it is that I did, but I'd like to know why I've delivered on every single thing you've ever asked and you make me feel like I've done something to offend you. So Hunter Beaton there was definitely upset about whatever business dealings were going on between him and this uh, Aleman Magnani individual um, that was not going well for him. So yeah, so Hunter, he had been useful to Aleman apparently, um, but apart from that, um, uh, the meetings with him were just not happening. Now, crucially for a Mexican airline owner wanting to spread his wings, Hunter also set up two meetings for Aleman Magnani with Secretary of Transportation Anthony Fox on March 17, 2014 and January 23, 2015, and a separate meeting with Administrator of the Federal Aviation Authority emails on the laptop show. Now, when Cooper, again, that Jeffrey Cooper guy, um, would, uh, when he was asked to go first to the meeting, Hunter replied that he was not going to be attending, but he would let Fox know that they were buddies. Now... Before the second meeting, Hunter emailed Fox's director of schedule and advance, Laura DeCastro, Miguel, Ag I mean Miguel Al Aleman's interjet chairman, um, that they're a close fa family friend and they had no business with the company. Now, here's where we start to see Burisma kind of creep into the mix because Burisma, um, which of course was the or was and or is the corrupt um, Ukrainian energy company that was paying Hunter Biden to sit on its board, what, $80,000, $83,000 per year, um, was trying to get involved with Hunter's Mexican ventures into business. And in 2014, there was an email where Jeffrey Cooper wrote to Hunter that he had met with Miguel Aleman Magnani and that he had set up meetings with the Secretary of Energy and the CEO of Pemex for January 12th, and that he wanted to know if there was any chance that Burisma could attend. And Hunter later asked Aleman Magnani to intervene with the Mexican government to smooth out the visa problem. Remember, this is the story that I shared with you guys where Hunter was trying to get Nikolai Zolchevsky and uh, uh, Vadim uh, Pierre. Her, what was Vadim's name? Vadim. Oh, Vadim. Where are you at, Vadim? Vadim Poscharsky, uh, trying to get them into Mexico. So those were his contact men. Do you remember that story where we read those emails where Hunter was trying to get Nikolai Zolchevsky and Vadim into the States? He was asking the people we just talked about, um, Aleman Magnani, to help assist him with that. So it's kind of funny how this all comes full circle 
kind of sort of. I mean, the circle's not complete yet, but uh, to to get the to get the connection between who Hunter was talking to to try and get Nikolai Zolchevsky into the states to meet his father in DC, which they did. It's very interesting to know. It's like it's like a, it's like an unfolding melodrama, right? So, anyways, so that was his connect guy. He was trying to get him in by means of uh, by means of Aleman Magnani, but of course. It does not appear that Aleman Magnani ever appeared to give him the assistance. So maybe Aleman was like, nah, something's going on here. I don't know if I should get involved. This hunter guy is a little bit shadier than I might have thought. Who knows? I don't know. That's speculation. Anyways, so as it turns out, as we talked about, Zolcheski could not fly to Mexico to finalize a, a deal with Cooper um, that Cooper had brokered with Pemex. And that jeopardized um, a piece of Hunter's uh, profitable side hustle. So that kind of fell through for him. Although Zolchevsky somehow managed to still get into America by way of the southern border to meet with his dad, illegitimate Joe, who was then the vice president. Okay, so it says here also, let me see here. Is this from another email I got here? Uh, that he okay, so Cooper told Hunter in an email, I am shocked Miguel didn't come through at crunch time. They clearly value the relationship with your family and they know they could sustain serious damage here by making enemies with you. Maybe a call from you or your dad to his dad, maybe that shakes things loose. What do you think? So, here Jeffrey Cooper is asking Hunter Biden for his dad to patch things up which means that illegitimate Joe would most definitely have to know what is going on. I don't think he would just call and be like, hey, I'm calling on behalf of my son, and I just want to ask what the hell's your problem? Like, no, no. I mean, as vacant as illegitimate Joe seems at this point in time, something would tell me he might have to have at least a little bit more business acumen than that to deal with other people. But hey, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong about that. Anyway, so that was a little bit about what was going on now. But now the question is, what was going on between Hunter Biden and Carlos Slim? Now, here's a photo of Carlos Slim in case you wanted to know what he looked like nowadays. Now, I think there was a report that was coming out that Carlos Slim was actually a victim of COVID-19. Go figure. But uh, that was he was basically the original point of contact uh, that he was trying to get in bed with business wise, Hunter Biden and the Biden family in Mexico. This was, again, the wealthiest man in the world, according to them at the time, probably the wealthiest man in Mexico. I'm not sure I couldn't tell you for a fact, but they are trying to do some working with him. So Hunter Biden used, of course, the perks of being the vice president's son to pursue a business deal with this multi-billionaire in Mexico. You know, of course, you know, it's like my dad's the vice president of the United States. I can, you know, I can ride on Air Force Two. You know, I've got all these things at my disposal. So anyways, Hunter's involvement with Slim at one time, the world's richest man commenced soon after a White House state dinner um, between uh, well, well, where Carlos Slim attended. And that was in May of 2010, along with Joe Biden and his wife and, uh, and as well as Jill, they honored the then president of Mexico, Felipe, Felipe Calderon. Um, now in Hunter Biden's diary on his laptop, it showed that he and Carlos Slim were both guests at a state department luncheon during Felipe Calderon's visit, which was hosted by 
then Vice President Joe Biden, and then Secretary, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Now, the charmed path that always opens for Hunter when his father meets a foreign leader or an oligarch leads uh, to a Mexico trip uh, for Hunter. That's basically VIP. Um, Hunter noted in his diary on his laptop in May 2011 that he had a tentative tour that was hosted by Carlos Slim at um, the Sumaya Museum in Mexico City which Slim founded and named after his late wife, Sumaya Domit. Apparently, this is like the most visited museum in Mexico City. I've never been there, but, you know, I maybe would like to go unless it funds this man. I don't know. Hunter also had breakfast with Slim's friend, Mexican billionaire Carlos Bremer, at his magnificent villa in the shadow of the Sierra Madre Oriental mountain range in Monterrey. If you've ever been to Monterrey, it's really quite astounding how that city is surrounded by mountains. It's a beautiful thing. Bremer was also the former director of the country stock exchange, and he had do donated millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation. So you're kind of seeing the circle uh, that is between uh, entities like the Clinton Foundation and also these other international organizations. And you wonder why Mexico has been in the pit that it has been. It's because of all of this corruption running out of, I would say, the United States of America into Central America and Mexico and just keeping them corrupt and keeping them down in that manner of speaking. Now, Hunter subsequently would hold in-person meetings and video conferences with Slim's son, Carlos Jr. and Tony Slim between 2011 and 2015, although his laptop never indicated what came of those encounters. Hunter would also visit Mexico again in March 2012, April 2013, September 2014, and February 2015. His final recorded flight to Mexico City was aboard uh, Air Force Two with his father in February of 2016. So again, like I said, all of this new information coming out of the Hunter Biden laptop for the third wave of Hunter emails and Hunter disclosure. I mean, like I said, if this stuff were available to them back in 2020, why did they not disclose it when the Senate had its hearing against Burisma back in August of 2020? And again, I would have to say, I don't know where all these people got their information from. All I know is that ToriSays.com had this information available to them as a leak file elite file on their website. So I could only guess. Now let's see what we have here. Uh, we got, uh, okay, now this is again, Jeffrey Cooper. You guys saw him in that photo standing at the far, uh, your left, their right uh, corner, um, where he was uh, with uh, Aleman and Carlos Slim and Aleman Magnani and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Now, again, like I said, this guy, Jeffrey Cooper was Hunter Biden's business partner. And he ran the largest asbestos litigation firm in the country, which was Illinois-based, Simmons and Cooper. And uh, he, again, was also on the flight with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Um, um, uh, so that this way they could go ahead and see what business things they do in Mexico. Um, earlier that year, Hunter and his wife, Kathleen, had stayed at Magnani's Acapulco mansion. This was also around the time that Carlos Slim became the largest shareholder in the New York Times. Interesting, huh? The New York Times, the proliferators of the 1619 Project and all types of shenanigans are owned 
in most by Carlos Slim, the man that we just had on the picture before this guy. Isn't it crazy how all these people are interconnected and how they all work with each other and with these big companies and media outlets and firms, and they're all running these schemes together like it's crazy. And yet Joe Biden claims he knows nothing about his son's business dealings. Like how on earth is that possible when you start examining some of this information and seeing some of these communications? Now, Jim emailed Hunter on May 7, 2015 about a deal that would involve Carlos Slim and a Mexican state-owned oil and gas firm that was Petroleos Mexicanos. In the email, Jim said, uh, or Jim, yeah, Jim said, now, Jim, again, this is Jim Biden, right? He said, have the sellers uh, and buyers major delivery being uh, major being delivered from pipeline in United States. Nothing is simple, but this comes very close as always. The devil is in the details. Any interest on the long skirt parts? Hunter and Cooper were hoping that Slim, the Slim family um, for their money so that Cooper's online gaming company, Ocho Gaming, I think I've heard of Ocho Gaming, and digital wallet firm Ipaleta, in which Hunter had 5.25% stake through his firm. So they're all about trying to make money. And again, of course, you know, we have those emails and communications before about how Hunter was taking care of his family. So that's all very interesting information. Now there's another character that comes into play here. His name is Gabriel Zinni. Now there, now this is an interesting connection. Because Gabrielle Zinni is connected to them and their dealings in Mexico. But I think, honestly, he's the link between their, bu their business dealings in Mexico and this other uh, uh, business or organization entitled the Blue Star Strategies Firm. Okay. Now, Blue Star Strategies, they're the ones that uh, the Senate had held a judicial committee hearing on uh, in regards to possible FARA violations with Burisma and what was going on in Burisma, Mikolai Zolesky. So you see, all of this is very well interconnected. You've got the people in Mexico that Hunter's contacting to see if they can smuggle Nikolai Soslesky into. And then you have this guy, Gabriel Zinni, who's kind of a point man for them, working with the Blue Star Strategies firm. And Blue Star Strategies then becomes hired to represent Burisma. And then they get called to task by the Senate in August of 2020. It's a big old love fest. But they did not have all the communications that they needed. They didn't have everything that they needed in order to pin it on these guys at the time. Which is why I find it kind of funny that this is a third wave. Like, apparently this stuff should have been known unless it was not provided to them. And it has now been provided to them. Okay, so let's talk about this Gabrielle Zinni person. It was Gabrielle Zinni from Democrat lobbying firm Blue Star Strategies who first suggested selling Cooper's gaming interest to Carlos Slim. So we just talked about how uh, Jeffrey Cooper was hoping that they would get money from Carlos Slim to invest in his gaming firm Ocho Gaming, right? Well, this is the man who had actually suggested it to Cooper. Okay, um, and and uh, that was uh, that was only because ugh, I didn't even know this. Apparently, this Carlos Slim also earns Telmex. He also owns Telmex, and he was going to go into online gaming business. So that's why this guy Zinni had suggested to Cooper to have Carlos fund it or to buy it. Now Zinni wrote to Cooper in April of 2012 um, um, uh, about a piece of, uh, of well, basically a headline that Reuters had published that was said. Tycoon Slim taps online gaming market in Mexico. 
Below is an article from today's press about Slim getting into the business in Mexico. It sounds like a potential exit strategy for your investment. Okay, so Zinni was also acting for another of Hunter's wealthy Latin American associates by the name of Manuel Estrella. So this guy's involved also with Hunter a lot. So and this is going to go forward to where you have uh, the Senate questioning under under um, under oath uh, the the owners and the people behind Blue Star Strategies about how involved they were with Hunter Biden. And again, all of this is evidence of Hunter Biden's business acumen and him being the point man for his family and his family using him. Now, some a lot of some of this point from this point is has been reported from, like I said, like the Daily Mail, the New York Post. It's been out there. The emails that we just went through are a little bit more uh, fresh in regards to that. But all of this goes back to that point. Now, like I was saying. Uh, Zinni was acting on behalf of this a dude by the name of Manuel Estrella, and Manuel Estrella was a construction consort, uh, worked for, was owner of the construction uh, group called Grupo Estrella, and listed by Forbes as being uh, one of the top 20th richest entrepreneurs in the Dominican Republican. Republican in the Dominican Republic. Okay, let's see here. And uh, do I have a photo of Estrella? Yeah, this is the guy here. This is Manuel Estrella. Okay. And uh, like I said, he was the owner of Grupo Estrella. And um, uh, let's see here. Uh, it says here that Hunter introduced Estrella to Cooper as a good friend and the perfect partner as you explore bringing online gaming to the Dominican Republican Republic. So you have Hunter getting in bed with this guy here, Estrella, as well as Zinni making these connections for them. So all of these names, all these people, all these characters are coming together to work together. Um, just And again, this shows you exactly how Hunter Biden was working uh, to be the breadwinner of the family as high functioning a crack addict as he was, or meth addict as he was, as, as big of a sex fiend as he was, apparently this man worked as hard, as hard as he played. Because here you see he's all over Mexico, he's all over the Caribbean, he's all over Eastern Europe, right? And he's bringing in money, he's closing deals so that he can, what? give a percentage of that to his family so that he could pay for his father's bills, so he could take care of the family and the family name, so that he can give half of his income to Joe Biden, according to what he said to his daughter. So anyways, that's like I said, that's what the point of this discourse is today, just so you guys could see that there might have been a little bit more to Hunter Biden, and that's not to his credit, but that there could have been a little bit more to Biden, Hunter Biden than just being a raging sex fiend drug addict. You know what I mean? So anyways, quick coffee. Pardon me. Need some of that coffee to get through the rest of this, guys. I hope you guys are doing great. Let's see what we got going on here in chat real quick. Naha. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out, everyone. We're moving right along steadily. Okay. So let's talk a little bit again about this guy, Manuel Estrella. Now, okay. So Joe Biden says, Joe Biden says, um, I don't know anything about Hunter Biden's business dealings. I don't know anything about what my son did. I don't know. He's just a crack addict. He's just a sex addict. He's just a drug fiend. Uh, I don't know anything about Hunter Biden. You know, where's Hunter? Joe Biden was saying, where's Hunter also? He's like, I don't know where my son is. Where is he? Well, there is an email. <laughs> Let's pull that up. Here is an email. 
And this comes from that man that we just saw on the screen, Manuel Estrella himself, in which Manuel, oh, let me take off this banner real quick. Manuel says right down here, oh, I have to, I have to, I have to increase this. Hold on. Okay. Manuel says right here, Hunter, I just met your father. So exciting. Francis Person help me. Thanks. Hope to see you soon. Okay. So clearly, clearly Joe Biden knew exactly what his son was up to. I mean, the email's right there. Again, this is a leaked email. I'm glad it finally came together. Thanks, Gabrielle. He made it. Ha oh, thank Gabrielle. He made it happen. Hope we can see each other soon. Best Hunter. That's uh, from Hunter Biden to Manuel Estrella. Copying Gabriel Zinni right there. The rest of this says, this is from Gabriel to Hunter. Thank you so much, boss. Just talk to Manuel, who is really excited. You are too generous with your Latinos fans. I really appreciate it. Muchas, muchas gracias, sir. And then, of course, this was forwarded from Eric Schwerwin, the guy that we talked about at the head of this, who is at Rosemont Seneca, who is a Hunter's uh, business partner, saying, I love it when a plan comes together. So that's a little bit of that right there for you guys, ladies and gentlemen. That uh, So there you go. I mean, how could uh, illegitimate Joe not know about his son's business dealings when he's meeting with his business partners? And they are so grateful for that. Now, Australia had once expressed interest in investing in a new hotel in Haiti with Hunter's company, Rosemont Seneca. Again, this Eric Schwerwin guy and all the other Senate and House people, right? And also the Clinton Bush Haiti Fund, right? They wanted to get in business with them. Zinni wrote Hunter on October 28, 2010, that the deal doesn't appear to have occurred and communications with Australia ceased in August of 2015. So apparently they're no longer friends. But in 2018, Hunter, who is still optimistic about making money from Carlos Slim um, and his connections, even though Joe Biden claimed he'd never discussed his uh, son's business with him, sent a text message dated July 24th, 2018 from the laptop where Hunter wrote to Cooper after a visit from his father to Los Angeles that he spoke to his dad about the Slim ask. And uh, Hunter, I mean, all Cooper could say is, ooh, that sounds so good. Right. Okay. So anyways, let's move along from that, ladies and gentlemen. Now we're going to talk about Blue Star Strategies, ladies and gentlemen. Blue Star Strategies. Because don't forget that that uh, Zinni guy, that Zinni guy actually works for and with Blue Star Strategies. And if uh, this Zinni guy is working with Blue Star Strategies, um, uh, Gabrielle Zinni, you have to wonder how involved is this company with the Bidens or Hunter Biden and their business dealings and other things. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it gets pretty deep. Like I said, this, this organization, Blue Star Strategies, they were taken to task in a hearing under oath, okay, to see if they had violated the FAIR Act by working for or having as a client the Burisma um, uh, energy company over there in the Ukraine again, and this has to do with Nikolai Zhoshevsky. So it's just crazy how all of this melds and meshes together in my mind. When I start thinking about how, you know, you have someone like Joe Biden declaiming any knowledge of work between his son and his business dealings. And yet you have a meeting with the very people that he's doing business with and it's on record 
you have to wonder, when are they going to hold these people accountable? When are they going to hold them to task? Okay. Like it's insane. Okay. So now, uh, Blue Star Strategies was under investigation from the DOJ, right? They were under investigation for the DOJ. Now, emails found on Hunter Biden's laptop provided new details about his business relationships with the head of that consulting firm. So not even this Gabriel Zinni, who's kind of like, he's kind of like somewhere middle ring over there at Blue Star Strategies, from what I gather. But Hunter Biden was actually connected to the top two of that um, of that uh, company, and that was a woman by the name of Karen Tramontano, and uh, let's see, the other one's name was she wasn't important to me. Uh, we'll pull it out in a minute. I apologize, y'all. I don't have her name in front of me. It's somewhere here, lost in the shuffle. Uh, but uh, she's in she's in several several emails, so I probably should have highlighted that for myself. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Blue Star Strategies. Blue Star Strategies is a lobbying and strategy strategy firm with deep Democrat connections dating all the ways back to the Bill Clinton era, and they were hired in 2015 by Barisma in an effort to improve its image and fight corruption allegations that the Ukrainian firm was facing since 2014 when Hunter Biden joined its board. Now, we talked about Burisma. We talked about how Sholchevsky, who used to be the president, uh, no, not the president, he used to work for the energy. He was the energy czar over there, and he had stolen a lot of money from the people and then eventually he fled the country uh, under threat of arrest, right? So a lot of controversy over Solchevsky. He's definitely not welcome in the United States. But again, as we talked about in a previous episode, Solchevsky was still able to meet with then Vice President Joe Biden, kind of a violation of the FAIR Act, if you ask me. Now, you might be wondering who this individual is on the screen. That is Karen Tramontano. Again, Karen Tramontano is the head of Blue Star Strategies. Now, in August 2020, the Justice Department investigated the work of consulting firm Blue Star Strategies linked to uh, Hunter Biden for potential illegal lobbying. The firm Blue Star Strategies took on as a client the Ukrainian energy company Burisma while Hunter Biden served on its board Republican operatives' efforts to investigate Burisma and the alleged corruption that surrounded the firm were at the heart of the first Trump impeachment. Okay, so that's how this is all linked together. Now, the Blue Star co-founder and CEO, this Karen uh, Tramontano, described Hunter to Senate investigators in August as an acquaintance, and she denied that she had spoken to him or any other Burisma board member about taking on the energy client, uh, energy firm as a client. So they're like, hey, Karen Tramontano, did uh, you talk with Hunter or anyone on the Burisma firm about taking him on as a client to make him look good? Because basically that's what they're doing. They're they're going to start uh, they're going to start uh, trying to uh, do uh, damage control for Burisma paint him up nice and good in the eyes of American politicians and businessmen, and then lobby for them. You know, that's what they are doing. Ter 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 sorry, Tramontano, in her testimony in August to the Senate Judiciary Committee, said, at no time did I or anyone else in the firm working on behalf of Burisma 
collaborate or coordinate the development or implementation of our work with Hunter Biden. Mr. Biden played no role in Blue Star Strategies on behalf of Burisma. Is that a fact, Karen Tramontano? Because uh, we have some emails here that might show otherwise. Now, let's check out this kickoff email from Burisma and Blue Star. Oh, whoops, is that it? <laughs> oh, whoops, is that it? Oh, I don't think this is the kickoff email. I apologize. This, oh yeah, no, this is. Okay, I take it back. I'm wrong. This is it. Okay, so this email here, as simple as it is, if you uh, if you read the um, if you read the uh, a subject line, it says right here, Burisma slash Blue Star Strategies kickoff call. So this is a conference call. Okay, there it's sent to Hunter Biden and Eric Sherwin. Again, uh, Eric Sherwin is the Romont, Rosemont Seneca connection that has been a family businessman and also helps Hunter handle his dad's finances. And Hunter Biden, right? You know, here's the dial code, etc. This is for that meeting. It's a kickoff meeting between Burisma and Blue Star Strategies. Okay. So again, leaked email, right? Leaked email. Okay. So if indeed, and this is what this is dated in November 2015. Again, they had the hearing in August 2020. So if uh, they had nothing to do with Hunter Biden or any of his family and he was just an associate, why indeed would Hunter be uh, sent an email invitation to attend this uh, Burisma slash Blue Star Strategies kickoff celebration or kickoff call, right? So that's kind of like, yeah, you know, that's a little bit questionable there. You might be lying, but let's see if there's anything else that is going on now. Like I said, some of these emails come from the Daily Mail, and they reported back on November 3rd, 2015, days before Blue Star's hiring Hunter Biden told Burisma executive Vadim Polcharsky. Let's check this next email out. Okay. Now, okay, now you guys may or may not remember Vadim. Vadim, Vadim, Vadim. Vadim was featured in uh, the last email drop that we were looking at here about Hunter Biden. Now, Vadim was the point person between Hunter and Nikolai, Nikolai Zolchevsky to try and get that crook into United States of America because his passport had been revoked or basically he was not allowed in. Okay, so it says here, uh, Vadim writes to them, Dear colleagues, hope you are well. Thank you for the docs provided. I've analyzed them most carefully and came up with the following observations. The first thing is that the suggested scope of work is largely lacking concrete, tangible results that we set out to achieve in the first place, mostly focusing on the process. Also, it doesn't offer any names of the top U.S. officials here in the Ukraine, for instance, the United States ambassador or Ukrainian officials. Uh, for instance, the president of Ukraine, the chief of staff, the prosecutor general, as key targets for improving Nikolai's case and his situation in the Ukraine. If, however, this is done deliberately, to be on the safe and cautious side, I can understand. So right here, Vadim is doubting. Vadim is doubting the worth and the work of Blue Star Strategies because apparently they're not covering all of the facets that would give them that protection and boost their name from uh, what I guess their offering was or whatever their, I guess their, what would you call that? Like their, their pitch, 
to have Blue Star be a client for, I mean, to have um, Burisma be a client for Blue Star. Uh, and so Hunter responds to Batum. And again, this is all, this is all, let's see right here. Look at, this is going to Burisma, to Devin Archer, to Eric D. Sherwin at Rosemont Seneca. So he says, Vadim, let me have one final call with them and verify once more that they understand the scope so we can all feel free. We can all feel that the retainer, the money, is in line with the work required. I trust Sally. That's her name. Sally is the other co-founder of Blue Star Strategies. Uh, Sally and Karen implicitly, so I believe we are all aligned, but I want to have one last conversation with them to confirm before we proceed. Best Hunter. So as you can see, Hunter Biden is the point man between Burisma and Blue Star Strategies, and Blue Star Strategies told the Senate Judiciary Committee that Hunter had nothing to do, he was a business associate. So this is an outright lie, okay? Then it says here from Vadum, thank you, Hunter. And of course, if you and Devon feel comfortable that they will deliver what in real terms we are talking about, we should disregard the wording of the scope and move further with the signing and starting actual work. Also, Eric, have you got any feedback from Sandwig with regard to visa issues and also with regard to his possible involvement in the trip to Kiev event? Again, visa issues coming to America, right? Vadim says Hunter. Devon and I do feel comfortable with Blue Star and the ability of Sally and Karen to deliver. You should go ahead and sign. Looking forward to getting started on this. So Hunter had a lot more to do with the connection between Burisma and Blue Star Strategies than they let on. And it was a big old lie. So I don't see why they should not be held to task based on their testimony. Now, uh, in her testimony, this uh, Karen Tramontano claimed that Burisma had retained Blue Star after the United States ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Piof, Piat Payat, criticized the handling of corruption case against the firm's owner, Mikolai Solchevsky. Uh, Tarantano added that while she met with a number of United States officials on behalf of Burisma, she did not try to influence United States policy. However, again, right down here, now she's not trying to influence United States policy, but still you have this Vedam Pocharsky indicating to Blue Star what they want to do, how they're trying to influence United States policy. Again, that was in his pitch. It does not offer any names of top United States officials here in Ukraine to influence them like the United States ambassador or Ukrainian officials as key targets for improving Nikolai's case and the situation in Ukraine, meaning they want them as targets to influence them to make Nikolai look good to the United States and to dampen whatever reputation he has re acquired in the country of Ukraine or in the United States, or again, even on the world stage. So this was definitely an influence operation, um, even though this uh, this uh, head of Blue Star Strategies had declared otherwise. And again, we have Hunter Biden as a point man, a middleman here, setting this up for them, being the wingman for Blue Star to get the money from Burisma while he's serving on the Burisma board himself. Okay, 
Now, emails from November 2015 show show now these emails show clearly that Eric Sherwin and Hunter Biden and Blue Star Strategies and Burisma were indeed working in concert together. The conversations included details about Burisma Blue Star contact uh, contract as well as specific strategies such as United States ambassador uh, to Ukraine's claims of corruption. Let's take a look at that. Ooh, this one's a doozy here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so this one goes on. Let me go ahead and expand that for you guys. We'll go ahead and enlarge that so you can see. Oh, that's too big. So you can see what I'm talking about here. Okay, there we go. And we'll blow it up. So this one, again, we have communications between Batum, Porchevsky, Porchevsky, uh, going to um, Eric D. Schwerwin, Hunter Biden being copied. To follow up on our call earlier this week, Hunter, and I spoke to Sally Painter. That's the other head of Blue Star Strategies. First, Hunter talked to Sally about the agreement and desire on your part to evaluate success after two months and not feel locked in to the year-long contract if things weren't going well. Sally understood and said that wasn't a problem, so you should feel free to go ahead and execute the agreement as is written and process the first invoice. Second, Sally said she has already had a few meetings on Burisma, on Burisma's behalf, um, let me see here. And some feedback she wanted to give to us offline. She felt she had some intelligence on why the ambassador made his comments. Hunter and I are going to sit down with her on Monday and find out more. Third, we discussed the potential trip to Kiev in December. One alternative suggestion that Sally made was for Blue Star to go alone and do some high-level government meetings in Kiev as the first step. She thought that there were points she could make one-on-one -on -one with the prime minister, finance minister, et cetera, without others in the meeting. She also thought she could get some further intelligence from those meetings that might not get with a larger delegation. She thought the delegation would be a good idea, but might be better after these initial meetings. When we talk to Sally on Monday, we'll get a timeline and plan from her on what we, uh, what she was thinking regarding the Kiev trips and that we can all discuss it more next week. I know Devon, I will be seeing her next as well. Okay. It goes on. Now this is from uh, Vadim again. Oh, this first one was from Eric. Eric. So Eric to Vadim says, thank you for the update and for the progress made so far. With regard to the trip to Kiev, I would appreciate if you could convey to Sally that the trip to Kiev with her meeting with PM and Loresco only would be, on my opinion, positive in the long run. But as to the short and even middle term perspective, it will not bring many positive results. But as to the short and, you know, um, I believe that if we aim to reach those deliverables that we had discussed during our meeting, that I also communicated them to you in one of my previous emails, we should stick to our original plan to have that delegation trip to Kiev with somebody heavyweight in addition to Sendwig. Within that delegation visit and in addition to key target meetings, I agree those meetings with her and PM and others would be fruitful. Let's look forward to the follow-up of your communication with Sally early next week and to the contract signing. I support the pattern suggested, but let me have some final brief discussions on that behalf and it will get back to you shortly. And most importantly, would like to thank you again, gents for all your efforts that you are doing in this regard. So, and that was uh, from Vadim to uh, Eric with a copy from Hunter. 
And let's see here. Now, this is again from uh, Vadim. She says, gents, today I'm traveling from Dubai to Kiev with a six-hour flight that coincides with your working days, hours. I might not be available to you with regards to our key issues. I would like to confirm that we would be ready to proceed with a, a Blue Star engagement. It's good that we have got an option at the end of the year to consider whether we continue with them or not. Although I personally expect and hope that we will cooperate with them for a long period as to the next month's activities, delegation visits or visits to Kiev, communications with right people, I shall leave it up to you to discuss and consider among yourselves and Blue Star people, uh, realizing that your side, uh, your side and them are best equipped professionals to take, uh, to take those decisions. Therefore, I would suggest for us to talk after your cons- consultations with BS on Monday. What do you think best, Vadim? Thanks, Vadim. I know Hunter and Devon are traveling during the earlier part of the week, so maybe we should plan for a call on Wednesday or Thursday. In the meantime, we'll be talking further to Sally tomorrow. If you are all good with their contract, feel free to go ahead and execute the Blue Star Agreement and process their invoice. They already they are already working either way. So all of this, all of this is uh, just information based on how uh, they're working together in concert. Uh, this was an orchestrated plan. You know, they had their trial period. They had this other signing period just to ensure that they were going to keep on working with them. And that's what this is all going on here again. Just going to show you that it was a clear out lie between uh, Karen Tomantrano and this Sally Painter, who are heads of Blue Star Strategies, and that Hunter Biden was well. I mean, it says right here he cc'd into all of this. He cc'd into all of this, all of this information. So for them to say that he was not a part of this or just an associate or they never had any business dealings with this is an outright lie on their part. Okay. So, yeah, again. And then we also have more with conference calls. Now, this was a conference call that they were setting up with them. Uh, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. From what I've heard, 9.30 Eastern time tomorrow seems to be a good option for the call. I will send out an invite momentarily and you can also find. So that's that. Now this is getting sent to, again, uh, Devin Archer, Karen Tramontano, Sally Painter, um, Hunter Biden's also involved in on this. Let me see. I can find his CC here somewhere. Yeah, up on in here. So we have all of that. They're all they're all working together. Baden Pucharski. So we're talking about all of these individuals. Now let's see here. Devin Painter. Yep, yep, Sean Meyer. All working together. Okay. Now, during the Senate hearing, let's talk a little bit about the Senate hearing because there's a little bit more. We're almost at the head of this, guys. Don't worry. We're almost at the head of this. But again, this all goes back to show. Now, like I said, some of these emails were released by Daily Mail. Some of these emails were released by um, uh, by the New York Post. And uh, some of these emails were released over at torysays.com. Um, we're seeing just, it's, again, it's painting this whole picture about Hunter Biden um, and how Joe Biden has lied to the press and everyone else about his business dealings with the family. Now, oh, let's see what's this here. Oh, so this one, oh, do I have this one? Yeah. Oh, this is a planned trip. Okay, so this is, uh, let me see what this is here. This email is um, about Vice President Biden going on a trip. It says, Dear all, this morning the White House hosted a conference call regarding Vice President Biden's upcoming trip to the Ukraine. 
Attached is a memo from Blue Star Strategies team with the minutes of the call, which outlined the trip's agenda and addressed several questions regarding United States policy towards Ukraine. So here you see Blue Star Strategies is also involved with the White House directly, not just with Hunter Biden, not just with Burisma, but they were also they were also uh, giving cue to the Biden administration while he was vice president, giving him that information, forwarding it along to them, giving him a memo on what was going on. So they were involved with President uh, Vice Joe Biden when he was in that uh, position. Forward VP. Uh, Vice President Trip briefing. So uh, they were involved at all levels. And of course, the guy who was on point for this was Hunter Biden. So while, uh, you know, Joe Biden was the point man for Obama in Ukraine, it clearly is apparent that Hunter Biden was the point man for Joe Biden while he was vice president. And that's what all of these emails are kind of confirming, along with uh, the perjury that these individuals have committed to uh, the uh, United States and the Senate Judiciary Committee. Now, who's this man on the screen? Okay, we're almost at the head of this, guys. Uh, this dude's name is Amos Hochstein. He is a businessman, a former diplomat and lobbyist and national security and energy expert. And he used to work in the United States Congress. He also testified before congressional panels and has served in the Barack Obama administration under Secretaries of State Clinton and John Kerry. Um, he met with uh, the Blue Star officials, including Karen Tramontano, when he was handling international energy affairs at the State Department. And during the Senate investigation in September of 2020, he told the Senate investigation that Blue Star Strategies wanted him to know that they did not agree with the United States government officials' viewpoint of Mr. Solcheski which again is the head of Burisma who stole millions and millions of dollars from Ukrainians, right? And he's an outlaw. Um, Holstein added that Tramontano claimed to have a report that said Slolcheski had been cleared of corruption charges, which we know that not to be a fact. And in another meeting in 2016, Holstein said that Blue Star officials and a Burisma lawyer were unhappy with the rhetoric from the United States officials, um, including uh, Mr. Solcheski. Okay, so in, in her August testimony, again, this Karen Tramontano claimed that she had only met or spoken with Hunter Biden on two occasions before 2015 that she could recall. Now, again, we're going to get a little bit juicier here. In, in 2014, there were other emails between Eric Schwerwin, this Karen Tramontano, and also Hunter Biden. So again, it goes to show how much this woman had in fact lied during that testimony with the Senate. Um, this email here was in regards to a banking license that she was seeking. Now she wrote to Eric, again, thank you very much. I spoke with Sally Painter at length and I think I'm going to move forward to take the exam. Although I think at least as a first option to see whether there's a real business opportunity, I'm going to see if I can park my license as you explained with the firm. I would like to talk further with you and Hunter if there was an opportunity to do that with your firm. I know I 
I am putting my cart way ahead of the horse, but I haven't even registered to take the tests, haven't taken the tests or passed, but I thought I'd at least see if you guys were interested in talking. Okay, so this is a woman who says that she never talked to Hunter Biden other than on two occasions, and he was nothing more than associate. Well, she takes the test, and then Hunter responds to him herself, saying, uh, hey, Karen, I just heard you passed your test with a 79, or no, you just passed your 79. Congrats and welcome officially to the team. I am up at Lake Michigan for a few weeks, uh, but look forward to catching up with you when I get back. Aaron told me about a couple of things you are already working on. Sounds exciting. Enjoy the rest of your summer. So I don't know. Again, guys, Hunter is most definitely involved with the business wheelings and dealings and also the international schemes that are being uh, put up upon by the Ukrainian people, Blue Star Strategies. And yeah, it looks like uh, America's going to get involved through Vice President Biden because after all, he does a whole quid pro quo, as we all remember, between uh, between um, the uh, people in Ukraine there, the prosecutor that was going after Burisma. Okay, so let's see. We got another email here. Now, this is an email from Karen Tramontano. Now, this is in regards to Hunter Biden meeting um, a very uh, high-profile banker on her behalf. Okay, so he meets a high-profile banker. Now, this is a, a, a Latvian banker uh, by the name of Valerie Belotkin. So, again, this just goes to show that uh, Hunter was very well involved with Blue Star Strategies. He was very well involved with them working with Burisma. In this email, he says, uh, she says, Dear Hunter, on behalf of Sally Painter and I, we thank you very much for traveling to New York City to meet Valerie. He very much enjoyed the discussion with you. We will be making a series of recommendations to Valerie, including further engagement with you. As soon as we have a better understanding how he wants to proceed, we will reconnect with you. It made a huge impact on Valerie that you traveled specifically to meet him. Thank you for your efforts and kind words. All the very best, Karen. Yeah. Could a, could a downright deadbeat crack addict do all these things? He's meeting people. He's meeting heads of business in Mexico. He's meeting heads of business from Latvia. He's meeting, he's organizing meetings between Burisma Holdings and serving on their board and also working with Blue Star Strategies and making sure that they're covering up the name of Burisma for the American people, politicians, and the world to look better. He parties hard. He plays hard. That's at least the way it looks to me based on these emails that we are reading, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here's another one that we got on the screen. Uh, this is all. This one is from Sally Painter in regards to Hunter Biden's visit. It says, uh, "It says I know that Karen thanked you, but we really appreciated your taking the time, and Valerie really liked you, of course. Thanks for your friendship." And he also received. Um, um, uh, he also sent a message down there, Hunter Biden to Valerie. Let me go, go ahead and. Uh, get that. Let's expand that a little bit. Okay. And it says, um, it says, it was a pleasure meeting with you recently in New York. I enjoyed our discussions and was uh, glad to learn more about the bank. I came away from our meeting looking forward to the possibility of finding ways we can work together. I look forward to it again. Thanks. And that's from Hunter to this uh, banking individual, Valerie. So he was clearly a high functioning addict. He was clearly a high-functioning sex fiend, and uh, he worked for his father. He worked for his father indeed. Let me see if, uh, what else I got in here. Um, let's see here. That's from Sally Painter. Uh, and Tramontano. 
Manhunter. Okay, I think that closes that up. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that is what I have to share with you guys tonight. Thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, like I said, these are some of the leaked emails from Hunter Biden's third wave of emails are now coming out. People are now reporting on them. Um, so I wanted to share this with you guys because we start to see a much different story. Now, as I've heard from individuals over at ToriSays.com, you know, they've recreated the, this, this laptop from hell. I don't know how they did it. I heard this a few months ago and they said that that's what they did, but there's more stuff in there. Photos with timestamps that show him, you know, going to like Rome, to the Vatican, to other places on Air Force Two, taking pictures with his dad around the world. So it just lets you know that this man was a lot more involved with the family business to say than uh, what the mainstream, mainstream, lamestream media is letting on. And I just, you know, it is a different picture. Like I said, you know, credit where credit's due. They were the first to kind of present that idea that I heard a few months ago, but it's been through the release of these emails and these leaks that we start to see that this was actually the case. And uh, guys, we didn't even get into China. We did not even touch China. We didn't touch the Biden family connection to China. There's a lot more with that. And I will start preparing some of that information as I go along and it comes along. So it might be a little bit more, but we'll we'll actually go back into more of Hunter Biden's emails and to more what's being released in regards to that. Um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and the Biden connection to China a little bit later. But I just wanted to present this information to you guys because I found it very interesting. Again, his emails are coming out into limelight again. People are starting to look again into what the exact business dealings between Biden and other international agencies were. And now we're seeing exactly what kind of a key figure Hunter Biden was in all of this, despite the fact that a lot of people are uh, laying him out just to be a worthless, deadbeat, drug addict, sex fiend. We're seeing that he was a lot more involved than we might have thought from the jump. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's report here over at the C report. I know that was a little bit tough. I was, it was a, I had to have my coffee to get through that one, you guys. And yes, as weaponized truth says, China is asshole. <laughs> oh man. All right. Thanks for hanging out tonight, guys. Let me go ahead and see what's going on before I close up shop for tonight. Posy for Truth, thank you for donating the phone. Skeeterberg, thank you for donating 217 gold pills. John 1633. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Let me see what else we got here. Oh, my goodness. Thanks, guys, for hanging out through that. Woof, boy, that was a lot. Let me tell you what. Like, I almost broke a sweat uh, getting through some of this information. Uh, Posy for Hope, again, thank you for the ship donating the ship let's get up this let's get up this chat line let's get up this chat line so i can release the gold pills and i can release you guys for the night i think that might have been it from you guys oh we also had a can from tam Garal. thank you so much did you say no espresso sweetie i don't do drip okay <laughs> i don't do drip i don't do drip i gotta have my espresso <laughs> oh let's see here yeah that's what it said right Iced coffee here, no espresso. No, 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 no. We need espresso. <laughs> I take at least four shots. I only drink Americanos. I don't, I don't drink, I don't put anything extra into my coffee. It's it's espresso bean, four shots, and some hot water. I'll take it uh, warm, luke, or at room temperature. 
Thank you for the cookie. One, two, three, SKG. I appreciate it. I hope you guys had a great night. All right. We'll see what happens for the rest of the weekend. You guys never know what's going to happen over at Mr. CTV here at the C channel at the Foxhole and abroad. You know, I might do a Mr. C in the dark. Um, but if not, you guys can most definitely look forward to seeing myself and the Texan this Sunday during Lone Star News. Check your local listings for times, but we'll definitely be on this channel. Oh, yeah. Let me release this lotto ticket for you guys. Okay. The lotto has been released. Oh, uh, what is a Cuban coffee, Mr. Speak Uneasy? Does it happen to have any rum in it? Um because I'll, I'll, we, we will share a Cuban coffee sometime, if that is the case, my friend. Um, I can tell from your show that you are definitely a connoisseur of um, the alcoholic beverages. And uh, we should have a chat sometime, my friend. We should have a chat. All right. Let me, uh, let me scratch off my scratch off and then I'll let you guys go. Oh, my goodness. What a show that was tonight. Thank you all for hanging out. I appreciate it. I hope that information was timely or at least somewhat enlightening. Yee! Okay, cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm out for the night. You guys have a great weekend. Don't forget, we'll have Lone Star News this Sunday. Be here or not. Hopefully you are. But otherwise, until then, ladies and gentlemen, have a good night. Have a good weekend. Stay blessed. And we will see you next time here at The Sea Report. Mm -hmm.